0: Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well, Stefan Molyneux and the Mikeness. As it is, yea, verily, the late March 2014. FDRURL.com forward slash donate to uh, help out the show. It is, uh, it is important. Uh, it is important for food, for shelter, and for the mystical, magical carpet ride known as enthusiasm and uh, encouragement which is a little bit of the food stuff that uh, that keeps us going. We've had, uh, of course, some very nice comments uh, recently. A guy just wrote, um, I've only just fairly recently started listening to Sven Molyneux on a regular basis, but in that short amount of time, I have to say, in my humble opinion, Stefan's broadcast, podcasts, uploaded to YouTube, videocast, is videocast even a word? Is the most important show in terms of my own inner personal life, that I ever came across ever and I'm 40 something now guess I'm going to have to break down <laughs> and make a donation now I like that that the resistance to donating is like a mountain and we are the river carving a canyon <laughs> breaking down resistance <laughs> as we go it is uh it's nice that people don't say I am enthusiastic to help out those who've helped me or I'm looking forward to sharing uh, some of my uh, wealth with uh, with a show that's changed my life, uh, it's like, fine, it's your anniversary, I guess I have to give you a gift. <sighs> well, I mean, we'll still take it, because we have no pride, <laughs> but it's interesting to see the way that, uh, that people talk about it. But we've had some nice notes uh, lately, right, Mike? I mean,
1: oh, A lot of nice notes, especially since the Colin show last week, which people either loved or, or hated, but more people seem to have really liked it, so...
0: Well, I, I'm glad, and uh, I, uh, I certainly had fun doing the show. And, uh, you know, that's all that matters to me. <laughs> Did I have fun? Did people spark a conflagration of language within me and then stand back as I crack a toe at some metaphors all over the landscape? That's the key to me. But anyway,
1: <laughs> so. All right, so should we move on to the first call? Oh, uh, We shall. All right, up first today is a couple, Katrin and Ola. Uh, they wrote in and said... My wife and I are currently struggling with expressing anger, frustration, and sadness towards each other. She recently started working with reconnecting with her anger, which she wasn't allowed to feel or express in childhood. It is hard for me to deal with that because I perceive her unhappiness as a criticism of me, and I feel responsible if she expresses negative emotions towards me. We often try to RTR, but I seem to have a strong emotional resistance to understanding it. Can you help us?
0: Well, that remains to be seen, <laughs> but we can certainly try. Um, I'm going to assume that you're both on the line. Is that right?
2: Yes. Hello. Yes. Hi, Steph. Hello. Well, Hi, Steph.
0: thank you so much for calling in. What a great, what a great topic. What a common challenge
2: yeah.
0: that couples face. I mean, it's not like you're like, well, you know, we we want to have a three-way with a mountain goat, and uh, we can't <laughs> find a mountain goat willing. Uh, can you help us? <laughs> okay, so that would be like. You and us as a couple, right? So that would be two couples that would have that problem. But this problem is very common. So I really appreciate you uh, calling in uh, and uh, talking about it. So I guess you'd mentioned that um, uh, Catherine had had a childhood in which she was not allowed to express anger. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. And what happened if you did?
3: uh oh, that is this is a question to me right yeah um i would be abandoned or neglected like i would be pushed away um um my my mother wouldn't talk to me um and i would be punished for it
0: so you had the kind of mother unlike me where her not talking to you was a punishment right okay for me it was like mom's not talking to me ah <laughs> but no i get it okay so and um Did your parents express uh, anger towards you or was it something that was not allowed in the household as a whole?
3: Um, We had this uh, interesting rule that um, my father was uh, told that he as a kid already was a raging, choleric person. So he, he would usually get angry, scream a little, and then he would withdraw and go to another room or leave the conversation. I'm getting angry. I have to go now. Um, My mother would get angry, would hire her voice, would then turn into, you have hurt me so much, I'm now really, really sad. My brother, I have a two-year-old younger brother, and he would have at least daily tantrums where he would scream or destroy things, throw things. So, yeah, all versions.
0: Now... So, so your mom would would yell, your dad would rage and leave the room. And what would he do when he left the room?
3: I have no idea. He would leave, withdraw, go to some other room.
0: Right. Okay.
3: Okay. I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't follow him as a kid. Like.
0: Right. Right. I'm just. I'm just wondering if you knew right. if you could hear. You know, him doing some Yosemite Sam impression in the other room or something like that. But all right. And.
3: He would, he would, when your mom raised, like, the, sorry, Go ahead. The, the older I got, the, the earlier he would withdraw. Um, I only remember him raising his voice when I was very little. Later, it would be very rare, and he would usually, when there was about to be a conflict, he would um, he would say, "Okay, I'm getting angry," and he would leave. So there would be no conflict resolution. There was, would no there would be no discussion or something. I'm getting angry, and now he would leave.
0: Which is a, a kind of rejection too, right? Which right. is either, the, I mean, the message then comes across from your father that my anger is so toxic and negative and horrible and dangerous that I have to leave because it's like setting fire to the house. Like I have to get out of the house and set fire to a bush instead so I don't burn down the inhabitants, right? Exactly. I mean, there is a very toxic view of anger. Which, as you say, he got from his parents who said, you, you know, you're just some crazy, as you said, choleric, which doesn't for those who don't know their medieval humors uh, means means uh, angry, uh, not uh, not has cholera. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, so when he was a kid, his parents said, well, you're just some angry guy. You're an angry kid. So, you know, you have to leave the room when you get angry. Right.
3: Exactly. Um, What I maybe could also mention is my brother is very or has been as a child extremely angry always, and he would always express it. And he would throw things at me. He would hit me. He would be um, angry. And two years younger. And um, if I would defend myself, my mother would would aggress against me or would scream at me or I would be thrown into my room. My brother wasn't or I was the bad one. And if I did not defend myself, my father would be angry at me or would, would make fun of me or ridicule me or shame me. Like, uh, why can't you even defend yourself or something? About, like, it was always like this double bind, loose, loose. If I defend myself, I'm being punished by the one. If I don't, I'm punished by the other. So I didn't. I usually didn't. And in, when he was very young, I, I felt I cannot h- hit a child back. or I, I, I don't do that.
0: So I did. Right, so your father would say... I've, I've done such a good job processing and handling my anger mm-hmm. that you should also do a good job processing and handling your brother's anger right right well okay so there's there's anger and then there's rage right and and these two things are opposites right I mean they, they may seem the similar like people think well I get really angry and if I get more angry then it turns into rage but that's not true And um, the analogy is you don't say, well, I have sexual desire and if I act on that sexual desire, it's love making if, you know, the other partner wants to, to, to have sex. But if I have more sexual desire, then it just turns into rape, right? I mean, that's not how, you know, it works. And a more sexual desire is good. It doesn't turn something healthy into something destructive if that makes any sense. And in the same way, people sort of think, well, I get angry, I get angrier. And then if I get more angry, it turns into rage. And, and I think this is not the case. Anger is a healthy emotion. Um, rage is a destructive passion in the same way that lovemaking is a healthy and positive things. But rape obviously is horrendously destructive. So, I I, mean, I sort of want to point out that I wouldn't put the two. I don't know if you do.
3: Well, I mean, I, I but think. But
0: it sounds like you put the two in the same category.
3: I think you said it once so nicely, but I'm not sure if I'm mixing it up now. I think you said anger is. Uh, rage is anger plus self attack plus hopelessness or frustration, if I remember correctly. Um,
0: well, it, it, yeah, I mean, it starts. It turns toxic. So, you already gave an example of what turns. Uh, or, or what transmogrifies. Anger into, into rage, and it's Im- an impossible situation, right? You already right, said, right. well, I am mean, in an impossible situation. Right. If I defend myself, I get in trouble. If I don't defend myself, I get mocked, right? Right,
3: and I mean, I'm I'm in therapy, and I'm working right now with exactly these things. So I have um, I have both. I have a lot of rage, which is very, very early, uh, raw rage from these times, and I have a lot of anger as well, and I'm. I'm right now trying to process it, process it and I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm working in therapy with it and it's very raw. And what I found out is that I have certain triggers. Um, one is shame, like when I feel someone is trying to shame me. One is when someone is trying to, con- or when I feel condescended or someone is condescending me. And the other one is when someone is trying to overstep my boundaries. And when these things happen, I get extremely triggered. I get super angry um, and I'm, I know how, how, how not to react, but it's new for me to, um, to, to react properly, healthy. And um, I feel I'm, I'm getting easily overwhelmed with anger, particularly when I perceive someone as being uh, overstepping boundaries, for example. And then it, it's, it's quite difficult for me to stay in self and to calm myself down.
0: Um, Well, okay, but but sorry, I just just before we race ahead too far, I just want to sort of understand. So when you feel triggered, what I mean, what that generally I would assume means is someone is acting in a way that's similar to how your parents acted.
3: Exactly.
0: Well, you want to be triggered. You want to be triggered. by that, Right.
3: Right. But the the problem which I have with that is like I absolutely, absolutely want to be triggered and I do absolutely want to be able to say, okay, this is the border. Um, But I don't want to be overreacting to it. I want to be able to say okay well um I don't like that you do this. I would prefer you don't instead of burping out of oh, fucking get away from me <laughs> or like I don't you know I want to be able to be reasonable in the situation and not be overwhelmed by anger or frustration about it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I'm not sure. You know, it's it's like if I'm almost eaten by a lion then I have a very strong reaction to lions, right? Right. I mean, I'm not sure that I want to say, well, I don't want to have a strong reaction to
3: lions. I want a strong reaction to lions, but one which does not lead to... I mean, I I don't know, really. Please, you can maybe tell me. I don't want to, uh, for example, when, when I feel that someone is trying to shame me, I don't want to shame them back. Which I feel no, I want no, to do. No, yeah, I,
0: I, I, Look, I, I understand. Yeah. No, I understand that. Look, if I don't want to be around lions, there's things that I can do.
1: Of course. My, my
0: concern is, is why are you in situations where you keep getting triggered by people? Yeah. I'm, right. So I'm, I'm why? Are you, because you're, you're looking at how, how can I be around lions and not be upset? It's like, well, you almost got eaten by one.
3: Right. I know.
0: So upset. you can't be around lions. It's like saying, well, you know, I spent. I spent 15 years in a combat zone, and how can I go and watch Saving Private Ryan or some god-forsaken, blood-soaked war movie and not be triggered? Well, the answer is you can't.
3: Right, but um, maybe I should have expressed that better. Um, I, it does... No,
0: no, 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 you're expressing yourself fine. What I'm saying is why don't you look at prevention rather than cure?
3: I'm, I'm more referring to situations where I cannot prevent, where, I, for example, I have to go to health offices or where I'm uh, in situations in, in normal daily life in the supermarket. Or, I mean, I'm, I'm not in the situations with friends or people around me.
0: Well, does it happen that you get triggered and feel like tell people to fuck off in a supermarket often?
2: Well. <laughs> um, no, it's a good question.
0: I, I, I'd like to. I mean, um, I'm curious about the answer.
3: Like, it's not a car. The, the, okay. <laughs> yeah, it does happen sometimes lately. Um, the the thing for me is I have never been angry, and I don't recognize myself doing it. And um, there was lately a woman in the supermarket, the, the cashier, and she, uh, I forgot to put this like you know this little dividing piece of plastic between my stuff and the person after me, and she lifted it up and said like, yeah, you know, we have these things and we use them so that I can understand where your products end and where the next customers start. So it would be really helpful if you could use it. And I was starting to boil. Um, So uh, Ula was next to me and I I was extremely passive aggressive to this woman. I mean, I didn't say fuck you or something, but I, I said like, you know what she just said? She was like, and I was very passive aggressive and shaming her. And I don't want to do that. D- do you understand what I mean?
0: Well, no, I understand that. I mean, what's wrong with not doing that? I mean, just don't just, don't just open to your do mouth. do it.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: but that's... No, I'm that sorry. I
0: mean, there's, there's no magic here. <laughs> well, if you repeat this ancient Sanskrit phrase, then your little lock closes over your mouth like a piece of luggage about to be pulled open by LAX employees at the airport. And then you won't magically see. You just like don't say those right. things.
3: It is not a, not a thing which I have done a lot. It has been really troublesome for me lately. Um,
0: no, no. Okay,
3: okay. So It's, it's, I it's mean, really new. It's really oh, new. It's a new problem. I get it. I so, get
0: it. I get it. Look, yeah. Okay, so so one of the, okay. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here, and I hugely appreciate you guys, and don't worry. Um <laughs> we will get we'll get to the man soon don't worry we'll uh, <laughs> oh he's, he's, he's happy if you are him oh olar yourself. don't panic don't time. get angry olar we're okay we'll get to you. i'm not ignoring you don't worry um,
3: can can i quickly say well, i, I
0: look i, I can i can't wave a wand and and obviously get you to do something in the right way and i'm not perfect with anger so you know please understand i'm not floating in the lotus position above uh, a rising sea of tranquility that nothing ever troubles me. Because I consider anger to be enormously healthy, uh, incredibly healthy. Anger is the immune system of the soul. You know, if if there's some illness invading my body, I want my immune system to kill that fucker, to burn it down, to destroy it, to destroy its offspring, to leave nothing but nuclear shadows (laughs) against uh, my cell walls. And so I want a very angry, proactive, and destructive immune system. I just don't want it attacking healthy cells, obviously, right? So so there's so this, this is weird thing, this immunodeficiency of, of the world where you're not allowed to get angry. Only the masters are allowed to get angry, right? So the masters are allowed to rage, and the masters are allowed to raise their voice, and the masters are allowed to start wars. And the masters are encouraged to use force, And this is parents or priests or, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, says the church, and then you've got psychotic, verbally abusive priests jamming fireballs of punitive hell down the throats of innocent, tender-minded children. So God says, uh, the meek shall inherit the earth, oh, by the way, I'm going to blow up half the planet and drown the rest because I'm so fucking meek, right? <laughs> so there's an ethic for slaves and there's an ethic for masters. And the ethic for, for ethics for masters is an eye for an eye. And the ethic for slaves is turn the other cheek. So I think it's important to understand first and foremost that this is not a personal issue. This is not a just you and your family and your history issue. This is a, a livestock management issue, right The government must use force. Private citizens are never allowed to use force, right I mean, imagine the view from overseas when American foreign policy has killed fifteen plus million people since the Second World War and all America and has you know recently slaughtered about a million Iraqis and driven another million and a half to burrow into the desert, trying to survive. And then everyone's insane because some young black man got shot, whether it was self-defense or not. I mean, this is the insanity of how America looks to the rest of the world. Because in America, it's only race-baiting self-defense that matters in terms of violence, the violence that's done overseas, never talked about, doesn't register, doesn't show up. So you're not allowed to get angry because if you get angry you can't be exploited. Anger is our defense against exploitation and it is primarily taught by parents. The primary transmission for the neutering of defensive anger is parents If a child has to choose between survival and self-expression, the child will choose survival. Of course, right? And if there is an emotion that threatens the bond with parents, that emotion will be strangled in the crib. It doesn't go anywhere. You can't ever kill your emotions, right? All you can do is tie them up and then fight with them as they try to break free for the rest of your mortal existence. So what's happening to you personally and in your relationship is the effects of a fundamental livestock management technique. You are allowed to have emotions which are beneficial to the rulers, right? So, for instance, the rulers need you to breed. So you're allowed to have romantic feelings. In fact, you are continually provoked into having romantic feelings. There's a reason why all these romantic comedies are all over the place. And we are obsessed with dating. Because dating leads to reproduction, which leaves, you know... The farmer likes to play Barry White, Nora Jones middle-aged porn music for his cows so that they'll make him new cows, right? So you're allowed to have sexual desire. You're allowed to have love. You're allowed to have affection and attachment. Marriage is portrayed as a beautiful thing so that you'll make some new tax livestock for the masters, right? This is so you're allowed to have those feelings. You're allowed to be deferential. You're allowed to have feelings of humility. You're allowed to have patriotism. Of course, you're allowed to have patriotism, right? I mean, patriotism is encouraged. But there are massive aspects of our emotional life that are not allowed. Not allowed because they are massively inconvenient to the masters. And uh, anarchy, voluntarism, a free society, a war-free society, an abuse-free society requires that we unlock the Pandora's box of forbidden emotions because they're forbidden precisely because they don't allow us to question or rebel against this god-awful, sick livestock management system we call a planet. And this is why you know, people are always like, why, why are you talking about self-knowledge? Why are you talking about feelings? I want philosophy. Bullshit. It is in the feelings that we are not allowed to possess as livestock that the short circuit and the collapse of the electric fence occurs. It's the only way that it can occur. People have been thinking about freedom for thousands of years. But the masters know better. They know that it is not the control of the thoughts that enslaves people. It is the rejection of the emotions that flatten out the human hierarchy that controls people. It is not the head that enslaves us, it's the heart that enslaves us, which is why academics will never lead you to freedom. And reading one more Hayek or Rothbard or Rand book will not do anything to achieve freedom, as we've seen, right? The book's been, Sharks been out for over 50 years, and government's uh, approximately 15 times the size it was when it first came out. So what you're facing, and I, I'm not trying to say it doesn't matter, I'm saying it matters even more than you think because it's less personal than you think. Right? The farmer doesn't build the fence around the cows because he hates one particular cow. He doesn't even really care that much about the cows. As individuals, he doesn't care about them at all. He just builds a fence because he wants the meat and the milk that the cows have. It's not personal. This blind photocopying of an emotional maze that serves the rulers, it's not personal. You know, my mother came from Germany. And in Germany, children serve the masters. Children serve the rulers, children serve the parents. It wasn't personal to her that her independence and critical thinking and emotional self-expression was destroyed. You know, they, they have geese on farms, they clip their wings, right? They take the feathers out so that the geese can't fly away, so they can, you know, so it's cheaper to own them, right? If the geese could fly away, you have to build a whole aviary, right? But if you clip their wings and they can't fly, you just need a fence. It's cheaper. But the guy clipping the wings of the goose is not sitting there saying, oh, I fucking hate this goose. Oh, I'm going to take sadistic pleasure out of destroying this goose's capacity to fly. No, he's just performing a pretty banal act of livestock management by destroying its capacity to fly. They would hobble their slaves. It wasn't personal. It's just cheaper. They can't run. So the fact that all of the emotions that would challenge the human hierarchy have been shredded in you is just an act of livestock management. Is it conscious? Is it unconscious? It doesn't matter. It, It doesn't fundamentally matter. The way out, in my opinion, and in my experience, the way out of the conundrum is so, you know, this woman at uh, the grocery store is snarky to you, right? About uh, the divider between the groceries. And one way out of it is to understand that you are not responsible for enforcing the vengeance of the world. Right? So when people have done great harm to us, one of the desires we have, of course, is to get them. Naturally. Of course, that's a healthy desire. You know, if there's, like if I'm almost bitten by a rabid animal, then I have a desire and a great anger against, I have a desire to shoot or or cage or get rid of or get rid of that person get sorry get rid of that uh, that animal right the rabbit animal that's healthy that's how you keep yourself safe now in situations where it's verbal abuse emotional abuse which it sounds like is what you experienced you can't get people you can't put them in jail for making fun of you however It may feel like that's right. You can't fundamentally do it, right? And so this small-minded prisoner of the grocery store, you get to take your groceries and go home. And where does she stay? She stays in the grocery store. She stays in the grocery store and you go on to your life and she's stuck there going beep, 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 stuck in a tiny little cattle pen making six bucks an hour. That's her life. You know, people who are petty or small minded or insulting or whatever, passive aggressive, oh, they get what's coming to them. They get what's coming to them. Oh, I mean, you sound like a delightful young lady, which means that you may not have lived long enough to see the long-term effects of what these people are like. But I have. And it's universally the same thing. Like, I can't think of a single exception. People get what's coming to them. You don't need to lift a finger. I mean, when bad people do bad things. You certainly don't want to cover up their behavior and support them and, you know, hang out with people who've done you wrong and who are unrepentant evildoers. But in any war between the mountain and the water, you bet on the water if you've got a long enough time frame. The water will win, right? But all the people who've harmed you If you don't run around propping them up and giving them time and energy and pretending that they didn't and being nice to them and pretending that nothing bad happened to ease their conscience, if you don't do that, they'll fall. You know, I had friends when I was younger who were uh, dominant and snarky and top of the world as teenagers, didn't pursue self-knowledge, didn't go through all the racking insecurity that I went through in confronting my past. And, you know, they just sailed on this high, bitter acid ship of cynicism, untouched by any of the churning waters of growth and challenge and self-knowledge and emotional connectivity. And I envied them at times. God, it looked so great. Oh, I, I, I wished I could just hoist myself you know, throw my heart overboard and hoist myself to the crow's nest of a bitter viewing of all of mankind's follies and laugh and toast with absinthe all the foolishness of my fellow livestock. I, I never could. And, and I, but I've seen what, what's happened to them. Terrible marriages, inconsistent careers, divorces. So all of their lack of humanity and compassion for what I was struggling with and what I had determined I was going to face. All of their eye-rolling and their, why, why are you so stuck in the past, man? Look forward. Why, you know, why are you worrying about what happened when you were five, man? Forget it. Move on. Well, I've seen what they move on to, and what they move on to is a slow, deadly, fading cliff dive into absolute nothingness so it is uh, it is tempting to wish vengeance I've seen what's happened to my family over the years I'm 47 now and uh, I used to envy the Christians who had a God who would punish the evildoers
1: God will get them
0: God will get them They'll go to hell. Those wrongdoers, those evildoers, they'll go to hell. But I don't, I mean, I have something better than God because the punishment that awaits evildoers, we don't have to wait for the wall of death to come down and pray that there's ghastly machinery on the other side to grind the bones of the bad. Because if you fail to support Evildoers. If you if you avoid them, if you prevent them from coming into your life, well, you contribute to it, it, through your self protection, you contribute to their collapse, which is great. I want evildoers to fail. I want them to be miserable. I want them to be full of rage and spite and hatred and venom and contempt. I want massive sun eclipsing trollery from evildoers. I want them to spray and vent their poison as far and high and wide as the human landscape can afford. Because in that way they are a massive advertisement for virtue. You know, they used to show these pictures of guys smoking through the holes in their throat saying smoking is very glamorous. All these people were dying of cancer and they were using them to show people how bad smoking was. And in the same way, I wish to provoke bad behavior among evildoers, not through poking them, but simply through integrity and honesty and the call to virtue. I want that so that everyone can look at these bastards and say, I don't want any of that. Ooh, that looks horrible. I don't have a sadistic bone in my body. I could not manufacture the kind of punishment my mother is going through, which started when I was about 13 and she stopped being able to get out of bed, ended up being institutionalized. And that happened because she was in her early 40s and was no longer able to cover up her crazy with her beauty, right, my mother's very beautiful. And when she realized she wasn't able to pull the trick anymore and she wasn't married and she knew she wasn't gonna be able to get married and the quality of men that she'd be able to attract was gonna decline precipitously as it did, well, she just gave up. She stopped trying. She didn't, I mean, she didn't take welfare or anything when I was little, she worked then she just gave up in a big whoosh because she tried to play the beauty hand and it failed. And people weren't going to put up with her because she was beautiful because she wasn't that beautiful anymore. She was in her 40s and always younger specimens coming out the machinery. So so i just trying to sort of give you a perspective on your anger that it's perfectly natural that when you live in a livestock world, you would be trained with the productive for the master's habits of livestock, right? There's a reason why these are the feelings that aren't allowed and other feelings are allowed. You're allowed to mock. You're allowed to laugh. You're allowed to have usually kind of a dark comedy in the world, but you are not allowed to rouse people to revolution and anger is portrayed as crazy. But your anger in particular, I would argue, comes from the impossible situation, when you're put in an impossible situation it's like it's like going to a gym and having a personal trainer say you need to work your tricep and your bicep right opposing upper arm muscles you need to work your tricep and your bicep at the same time and he's screaming that at you except of course in the family you can't leave so I, uh, I sympathize. I hugely sympathize. It's part of a much bigger picture, which is why it's so important to deal with this stuff. It helps you personally, but it also works towards freeing the world because then you're going to raise kids if you have kids. You're going to raise kids who are going to be able to express anger, right? Right. <laughs> so I hope that that gives you some, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to get the woman at the grocery <laughs> that's, store.
3: That's kind of, pretty much exactly the point. I don't want to. I don't have feelings of rage. I don't want to wait, revenge. Wait, wait,
0: wait. You're telling me you wait. did uh, I don't have revenge, wait, 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 wait. wait. Sorry? I'm not going to go on. I won't go on a rant. I won't go on a rant. It's just a question. You're telling me you did something and now you're saying you don't want to.
3: I'm sorry. I didn't mean rage. I meant revenge. I don't want to revenge. I, I understand intellectually that, that, for example, with my parents, I have no contact with my parents and I don't, I, I don't have any need to punish them at all but i worked really hard on getting to feel my anger because i I, it was really difficult to to get back to feeling angry because i i wasn't allowed wait sorry do
0: you feel do you feel angry at your parents
3: yes massively
0: okay and but you don't feel any desire to punish them
3: no i don't think so like yeah but not as in I, i don't want to act on it I, I have this view. No, so you
0: see, but that, that, that now, now. we get into the core, right? All right.
3: Yeah. So, I, I why think they do, do it themselves. you say why?
0: No, no. But why would you say like you feel very angry at them, and you say you kind of want to punish them, but you don't want to act on them? But then you say, well, I don't want to punish them.
3: Well, I want to, um, I, I want to be able to, or I want to be allowed in front of myself honestly to feel all the revenge and anger fantasies that I want to. But I don't have a need to to act on that. Like my dad, when I talked to my dad the, the last time, he basically broke up contact with me. And I feel like, okay, this is his loss. He will notice that he will miss me. I don't have to do anything. I have clarity now. I don't need to punish. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So, But I, I, want to, I want to have all the rage, which I was not allowed to feel, and I want to, like, feel this now and be able to to be friends with my anger and not be afraid of it. But the, the problem I, I have still is that it is really fresh or I'm feeling still easily overwhelmed. I need a lot of time in a situation to accept and acknowledge that I'm actually angry. That sounds a little strange. But I I get angry and it it, it takes a while until I'm like, oh wow, I'm actually angry and then I need a moment, then I need another moment and then I'm like, oh right, I'm angry and this situation is justified. I can be angry, this is good, this is right, but if I don't, if I'm in a situation where I'm not giving this amount of time or I don't give myself the amount of time, I I act quicker than I want to. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, but And other than telling people to fuck off, what does act quicker than you want to mean?
3: Yeah, well, not other than telling people to fuck off. I tell people to fuck off and more unfriendly than I wish I would. And it's, it's, uh, it's a recent problem. It's not something I'm struggling since a long time with. The real problem is in my relationship with that. Right. So... Outside my home, it's it is uh, something which I notice, and I notice the the the, the triggers which really set me off. Um, with my partner, it's it's a more complicated issue because if I'm in a situation in a supermarket, I RTR myself. I, I figure out, okay, this is really interesting. This really upset me. I wonder why this so upset me, and so so massively. And then I like I walk around uh, on my way home and I, I, I can RTR with myself. And that works well. And I haven't yet encountered that I repeated a situation. So I, I do think I have the capacity to learn from these experiences. Um, at home, RTR is more difficult than RTR with myself.
1: All right.
0: So let's... Um... Get him in. Yeah, Olar, if we can talk to you... Uh... <laughs> for a sec oh, okay. because look one of the things that happens it happens sometimes with men it happens a little bit more with women is it's like the, the the descriptions go round and round really fast to the point where my head is spinning and I don't know which way is up and I was talking I was joking about this when I was in Texas at a Bitcoin conference and a woman was saying oh well that's just welcome to the mind of a woman right <laughs> it's like well okay maybe maybe that's true but Ola, how, how was your experience with with anger
4: um,
2: you mean my own anger, or...?
0: You're, yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk about your anger. Ah.
2: Um, hmm. Well, definitely have um, it easier to express anger, I think. Um, or at least I do, or I have a history of doing it. I was a, I um, I think I was a um, angry kid, or, yeah. Um... But uh, I think, um, I mean, definitely, to me, anger is bad. It is is something bad. And it's something that shouldn't be expressed, I think. I I mean, (laughs) now I'm talking, um, like, instinctively, what I think and what I feel. Um,
0: So anger is bad. So if... If a guy jumps out at you from an alley and wants to fight, you don't want your body to give you adrenaline, right?
2: Well, in, in that case, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh...
0: What about if you have a kid and another kid pushes your kid over? You don't want to feel any adrenaline then, right? Any fight or flight? Any upset or any anger?
2: Yes, I suppose. As opposed, to, I mean, absolutely. There are scenarios where anger is appropriate, but it's or, uh, not uh,
0: non appropriate. God, that's such a <laughs> that's such a schoolmarm kind of word, you know. Healthy, right? Yeah. Okay.
2: Good. Healthy, yes, yes, yes.
0: Okay. So yeah. So there's there's sometimes where heal- anger is, it's healthy. So anger is not just bad, right? No, no.
2: Um.
0: Now if you're doing something that is harmful to another person then the way that they will detect that harm is usually through anger. Right? So the, the unconscious is like 6000 times faster at processing certain kinds of complex information than the conscious mind, right? So harm to us or things that are negative to our interests are most often detected through anger, not through abstract reasoning or, you know, it has come to my attention that what we're doing may be negative to our long-term interests as a couple or to my long-term interests in health. What happens is we feel angry, and sometimes we don't even know why. And it's through that process of self-knowledge that we figure out what we're really angry about. And in my experience, the anger is always justified. Right so so with with regards to what Catherine was saying about the uh, the grocery store clerk I don't want to get back to her but just to use this as an example mm-hmm. she was not angry at the grocery store clerk fundamentally she was angry at her parents right and this is what she doesn't know yet sorry to talk about you Catherine like you're not here but
3: I know but, that um, that's what I was trying to say I've, right, I'm and, and the, reason that, the, reason that
0: you're, no, the reason that you're angry at your parents is because that, that has never happened to me. And that's not any type of pride thing for me. I'm just sort of pointing that out. And I bet you there's lots of people listening to this, right? You've got hundreds of thousands of people who listen to this, and it will not have happened to a lot of them either. And the reason, for, the reason that it happened to you is that your parents uh, primed you, uh, put you in the position where... The woman knew she could say that and get away with it, right? Your parents, in, in a very real way, caused the behavior of the grocery store clerk towards you. It would not, it's not just the grocery store clerk acting in isolation. Passive-aggressive bullying happens to victims of passive-aggressive bullying. It doesn't happen to other people. So her unconscious scanned your unconscious. And because she's feeling powerless in her life, she decided to screw with you to give herself a feeling of power and sadistic satisfaction by making you upset and provoking anger and helplessness within you. But that's because of what happened to you as a child. Almost all the abuse that you will suffer as an adult occurs because of the abuse you suffered as a child. So you, I mean, you, if she thinks... <laughs> sorry, Kendra, if you think it's about the grocery store clerk and not your parents, then I would say that you're mistaken. But sorry, let's get back to um, uh, to, to OLR. Okay, so you you have a complex relationship to anger, right, in that you said it's bad and then, okay, there are times when it's good and, and so on, right? So how was anger expressed or acted out when you were a
2: kid? Um, um, well, uh, my father would yell and scream and uh, yeah, big, loud guy. Uh, a big what guy? Did you think A crowd? Big loud guy. Oh, loud guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say. All right. Okay. Um, and uh, he would break things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he even like he would break things, as in he yeah, I don't know, slam his fist into the table and and such. Um, Over what sort of provocations, do you remember? Huh. We actually talked about this just a few days ago. Um, There was... A particular memory I have about that is um, when I was seven or so and... um, I had been fighting with my stepmother all day, and he came home from work, and um, I had had some kind of uh, complete anger, outbreak, uh, temper, tantrum. Um, uh, uh, and how th- old were you? Sorry, how old se- were you at that point? Seven. I was at seven. Um and i had a, I had a glue bottle and I had squirted glue over my desk and uh some on the floor uh on the carpet um in some yeah in some big fit of rage there and he came home and he was when he noticed this or yeah he was really angry when he came into my room and he screamed and he uh, banged his fist into one of my or my, not one of my, my uh, favorite car, toy car, remote controlled car, so it flew into tiny pieces. Uh, yeah, and and I was oh, so he broke, he broke your favorite toy. Yes, yes, yes. Um, what a dick!
0: My God. Yeah. What a pathetic man, infant. I'm so sorry. God, that's horrifying. And of course, I'm sorry for katrin's as well. I didn't, Want to brush past that, but that's horrendous.
2: Yes, yes, it was. It was terrifying. It was.
0: Uh-huh. I
2: mean, you said stepmother,
0: right? Which means, obviously, that I assume your mother did not die of natural causes, uh, your biological mother.
2: Uh, no, no, no. He, he, he is, uh, um, my parents divorced when I was
0: six. Uh, wow. And then you had a stepmom when you were seven? Yeah. Uh, Holy crap. So, So your dad is really... Not in any position to lecture anyone on how to deal with emotions, right? Because he couldn't maintain a relationship with the mother of his children and then just went and glued onto some new woman like a pathetic water-based dependent life form, right?
2: Well, (laughs) I wouldn't really blame him for divorcing my mother because she is even worse. (laughs) Uh, Oh
0: no, you can blame him for divorcing your mother because no one put a fucking gun to his head to marry her, right?
2: No, no, I, I would rather blame him for marrying her and, and, and uh, having a child that was several uh, with her um rather than divorcing her but but uh yeah um, yeah uh, right might
3: be helpful to mention your mother's
2: anger yeah 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 exactly Mine weekly sorry weekly yeah 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 um uh, my mother on the other hand uh, yeah she uh, she would beat me. Or spank me, or uh, yeah, be physically violent uh,
0: when she was like now biomother mother or stepmother.
2: Uh, this was my mother, my biological mother, the one, okay. the one he divorced, um, and um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> there was a lot of anger going around, and of course, I was in in the middle, and uh, and. Then there was a... (laughs) It's been a war between them ever since. And I was always in between. So uh, I definitely have a a lot of issues with anger. But um, in a different way.
0: Right. So first and foremost, I think, you know, cleaning up the terminology is important. You can't use the same word for something healthy as something destructive. Like... If you're saying rape, you mean rape. If you're saying lovemaking, you mean lovemaking. But you you don't want to use the same word for both, right? True. What is the... So that's why I would sort of suggest, right? So you said anger is always bad because you assumed that what your parents did was sort of healthy expressions of anger and so on, right?
2: Uh, Well, now I don't really consider that healthy in any way. no, no, but but it's important,
0: you, you know, language is, is very important to our brain. Absolutely. And to our unconscious in particular. So you don't want to use the same word for opposite things.
2: Yeah. Do you have a better...
0: You know, you, you, you don't want to use the same, you know, for, for debt and credit. You don't want to use the same word for both. Otherwise, you're not going to know what the hell's going on in your finances, right?
2: Yes, yes, all
0: right, yes. And love and hate. You don't want to use the same word for love and hate because then you'll have, I'll have no idea what you like or don't like, right? Yeah. So, you know, maybe use rage for sadistic child abuse and uh, petty explosions of caustic and destructive emotions on helpless, independent children. And anger is, is sort of healthy self-protection, right?
2: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, so
0: is rage... So a lot the, of rage, but, but no rage examples of one? healthy expressions of anger, right?
2: So, but, but are you saying that rage is the correct terminology for unhealthy anger? <laughs> or unhealthy and angry. I'm, I'm not sure. see, you know,
0: the sad thing is, we actually don't even have a good word to differentiate the two. Yeah. Right, so rage is considered to be extreme anger, mm-hmm. which is the same as I said earlier, saying that rape is extreme lovemaking. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not, right? Mm-hmm. We don't even have a word that we can use to differentiate toxic abuse from healthy anger. That That's how far we are as a species from differentiating these things and through self-knowledge, breaking out of the livestock cages. I mean, we don't even have... I mean, we can use rage. I mean, I could understand an extreme propagation of anger might result in rage, but I mean, that's just... Maybe we can say sadistic rage. Yeah. Or tantrum. Tantrum might be a good word for what your dad was doing and what your stepmom was doing. But even the language that you used troubled me. You said, I've been fighting with my stepmom all day. yeah. That's, no, 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 no. Your stepmom is responsible for your relationship. So your stepmom had been provoking you all day.
2: Hmm.
0: Right, because that sounds like a sibling. But even the siblings, the parents are responsible for the siblings' relationships. Right, so you just say, well, I've been fighting with my stepmom all day, like it's some sort of equal thing. No, it's your stepmom's job to make the relationship go harmoniously. Not yours when you're seven, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it. Oh, that is so difficult. It's. Um, I mean, I know for certain that all my parents and step parents and everything uh, uh, They were, mostly assholes on, on so many levels, um, but it's it's so difficult for me to sit here and 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 point my finger and and say this or that is bad. Because obviously... Sorry, this or that is bad. I don't know
0: what you mean by that. I mean... uh, (laughs) I don't know. The blame... Now, see, blame blame is another one... Sorry to be annoying. Blame is another one of these words that people use when they're uncomfortable. Yes. Right, so I would put it this way. It's hard for you to accept the fact that your parents or your caregivers were responsible for their actions. hmm Right? Yeah. Because when we say blame, blame is a negative word, right? Yeah. Don't play the blame game, you know? Yeah, exactly. Bl- blame is, is projection. Blame is assigning other people responsibility for your own faults. I mean, it's... it's, But the the the, the basic... I mean, we, we just go to philosophy. We go to basic science. You know, who was in control of your father's body? Was it space aliens? Was it Beelzebub? Was it... Uh, <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, no. Right? It, it was him.
0: He was, in, he was in control. Of course. Now, you could say, well, but he wasn't in control. But that's not true. He was in control. If he drove a car, if he was able to suppress bad behavior in front of other people, then he was in control.
2: He was in, co- in control of himself, yes.
0: Absolutely. Right. That. And so he chose to act in these kinds of ways. That's correct. Like I had a convo with a listener last night who, who said his mother did these terrible things and then immediately said, well, but she's bipolar. And it's like, you want now? <laughs> right? I mean, was she, did, did she ever scream at him in front in a parent-teacher conference or when there was a cop around or when her mother was around? Now, So, you know, multiple sclerosis, you can't will it in and out of existence. But if people behave better in front of other people, then it's choice-based, not biology-based, right? I can't make myself taller or hairier in front of certain people. Because that is a truly biological limit and a physical reality, right? Mm. And uh, just by the by, since I don't know if that's ever going to be published, he was uh, with a woman whose parents treated her terribly. And he suggested maybe cutting back contact. And she said, no, blood is thicker than water, right? To which I said, well, if blood is thicker than water, then her parents should have treated her really well. Because blood is thicker than water. And therefore, her parents should have treated her better than any other person ever, right? My mom was nice to waiters. She was nice to policemen. She was nice to people when we crossed the border. She was nice to these people. She treated me uh, and my brother worse than anyone else in her life. Worse than her friends. Worse than wait staff, Worse than people she passed on the street. Worse than grocery store clerks. And so I'm like, well, I don't think the blood is thicker than water. Because that should be demonstrated by parents treating children better than anyone else in their lives. And generally, uh, if there's dysfunction in the family, uh, for reasons of helplessness and dependence, children are treated worse than anyone else. So this blood is thicker than water bullshit is just... It's a, it's a lie invented by parents to get resources from children they abuse when those children grow up. It's like, well, if blood is thicker than water, how come you treated me worse than anyone else? I wish you treated me like water, not blood. Anyway, so so in your experience, right, I mean... Rage is is vicious, it's sadistic, it's immature, it's contemptible, it's abusive, it's manipulative. And you have a hard time accepting the biological reality that the only person perched on top of your caregiver's spines were their own brains and themselves. And of course, they got angry at you because when you were five or six or seven, or they enacted spiteful rage against you when you were five or six or seven because they said, look, you're responsible for what you do, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Right? I mean, your dad your dad didn't come in and say, oh, you poured glue. I was on your bed or something. You poured glue on your desk. Well, you know, uh, it's just your arm that did it. It's not you. And I understand that you had provocations and I, I'm the one who brought the stepmom into your life. And, you know, you have had just gone through a divorce. It's a tough time adjusting. I can understand. Let's sit down and talk about it. Have a hug sit down with the stepmom, figure out how you guys can get along more harmoniously. No, this titan of philosophy and wisdom and, and benevolence thought, I know what a great thing to do is. I'm going to break my son's favorite toy.
2: Yeah, that's...
0: Like, what a, what a cosmic asshole. Now, you can say, well, he wasn't in control, and... and biologically he was, right? I mean, if he's having an epileptic attack, yeah, I get he's not in control. If he's in a coma, yeah. And he pees himself, yes, he's not in control. Even if he's sleeping and pees, if he's sleepwalking, I may be, right? But he was in control. And the easiest way to figure that out is, did he use the ethic of responsibility against his children? Right, live by the sword, fucking die by the sword. If you assign moral responsibility for your children, you assign a thousand times more for yourself as an adult. Right? Yeah. You cannot say, "Well, I'm 35 and I'm not responsible for my actions, but I'm going to attack my son and assign him full moral responsibility because he's seven and I fucking raised him." Right? I mean, that—that's—that's that's literally the actions of an insane human being.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: But they're responsible for their insanity because it's, right? Yes, yes. It's a uh, self-serving insanity, right? Yes, absolutely. So what you're saying is you have trouble accepting the uh, uh, immorality and sadism of your caregivers. Yes. Which I can completely understand. Of course, we're programmed to ignore that stuff because these people have our fucking food, right? Yeah. You know, you don't call the only prison guard who brings you your food an asshole. I mean, unless you want to die, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the impossible situation. The impossible situation is, I don't like these people, but I have to conform to their expectations and desires. I mean, at the age of four, I literally packed up food and tried to run away from home at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's how much I disliked being in th- I was willing to take my chances in a big unknown world with street lamps and no traffic, just to get out of that hellhole. Oh, wow. That's,
2: that is horrible.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that's how much I reacted against, I mean, the vicious evil of my mother.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Now, I was caught, and I could have been killed when I was caught because she beat my head against a door. I'm not trying to turn this about me, but I'm just saying that there is... A huge reaction. I mean, the emotions that must have been churning through your young and sturdy chest when your pitiful excuse for a father smashed up your favorite toy. I mean, the amount of anger and contempt. God, there's such eye-rolling disgust when we realize that our parents are incompetent children. Yeah. Like, that. this is, this is just some toddler in a giant body Randomly pushing and pulling levers. That's true. When there is, yeah, I mean, it, it's a horrifying and terrifying thing to experience as a child, that the people who are in charge of your life are crazy and evil. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I don't like. I don't think I would. I mean, if I'd really truly accepted all of that, like I, I had to just comply because I realized that my mother would be willing to kill me rather than have me leave. Right. Hmm. And then you comply. You Stockholm Syndrome. You have to. You, you have to try and bond with evil. If your parents are that way inclined, you have to bond with it to survive. Mm. Because they can abandon you. They can stop feeding you. They can hurt you. They can lose their temper and injure you physically, even by accident, right? It happens every day. Every day, children get killed by their parents. Yeah. Every single day.
2: Yes. That's... Yes, absolutely. That was so it's a that.
0: it's a survival thing, so the fact that it's hard for you to accept the evil of your caregivers, of course but that's to, to understand that is 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 key right it's not that you just have some weird emotional difficulty or it's like it's it was, you you have to bond with your caregivers of course right mm. yes yes but that doesn't Mean that you're not angry at them, and legitimately and healthy, healthily angry. Let me, I'll just give you an example, right? Again, because I want to make it sort of a wider context, so that you can see that this is part of a human struggle for freedom, not just a personal struggle for self-expression. I mean, the two are, I think, fundamentally the same thing. But I don't know where you guys are from, but all countries around the, in all countries around the world, children are born in horrendous debt, because their asshole fucking elders have spent, and bribed. The planet into oblivion, right? So in America, children are born seven hundred thousand dollars in debt. Every single child is born seven hundred thousand dollars in debt. Are the young people angry about this? No. 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 They're really not. Well, they they're really are not. They're not aware. Yeah. They're, no. They're not unaware. Everybody knows about the national debt. Everybody knows about the national debt. They're not unaware about it at all. They're not sitting down with their parents and saying, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? You clusterfuck assholes have dug me $700,000 in debt? You want me to salute this fucking flag? Are you kidding me? You might as well stuff this flag with dollar bills, jam it down my throat, and watch me choke to death on my own failed economic expectations. Are you fucking kidding me? You had me sign, sorry, you had me recite the Pledge of Allegiance to a government that has sold me off before I was even born to the tune of nearly three quarters of a million dollars? Are you fucking kidding me? You put me in a goddamn school to be trained by the same group that used me as meat-based livestock collateral to grab money from foreign bankers to bribe you with? You handed me over to these assholes? Are you fucking kidding me? Mm -hmm. How a bill becomes a law? It's a dollar bill. (laughs) And it's not a law, it's an opinion with a gun. Like, where is the outrage? I could do that speech all day, but I wouldn't. Where, because where is the outrage of the young people about the system that miseducates them, drops them in debt, drugs that are classmates, sinks them? Like, you get $700 billion for banks. And how much money to forgive student debt? None. In fact, you can't even get rid of student debt through bankruptcy. Where is the outrage of the young? It's non-existent, right? So your guy's lack of anger is part of a general social problem or (laughs) a a social solution to the problem of exploitation. Those you exploit cannot get angry. Those you exploit cannot get angry. And your parents were exploiting you, and that's why you were not allowed to get angry. And your society exploits you, which is why you're not allowed to get angry. And the schools exploit you, That's why you're not allowed to get angry. And the church exploits you. That's why you're not allowed to get angry. Yeah. That is true. Now, your connection with each other is dependent upon anger. Because, you see, with anger comes trust. You can't trust each other if you don't have the capacity to be angry with each other. Because otherwise, how do you know it's not stifled compliance That is your supposed compatibility, right? Mm. Right. My wife and I have the capacity to be angry with each other and to express that anger with each other. So when she's not expressing anger at me, I know things are fine. Does that make sense?
2: Yes. Yes, of course. Yes, of course it does. Um...
0: There's something about this conversation that is bothering you and I'm trying to figure out what it is.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: you sound kind of like yeah, yeah, fine, fine. Right? So either I'm not connecting with something that's important to you or I'm connecting with something that bothers you.
2: Um, um <laughs> it's a little bit of both. Um because yes, um I do agree. I do I I I, I do agree. Um, but we're kind of getting closer to the to the core problem um, here between us um, in this uh, expression of anger and and uh, dealing with it and yeah um, I always have such a difficult time <laughs> summing it up but. Uh, is it when when Catherine is angry or or sad or basically any kind of has this negative emotion um, she's generally really good with presenting them in an r to r way uh, kind of objectively and and uh not acting out not screaming not not doing these things but but merely stating like okay I am really angry now or I'm sad or or whatever and it may be about me uh, wait I'm sorry certain sorry interrupt. yeah
0: So would you say that she was acting in a different manner in the call with me than she does with you? Because, you know, all due respect to you both, I find you people impossible to connect with emotionally. Um, It's not a criticism. It's just an observation. It may be my fault. I don't know. Right. But if you say, well, she's really great at RTR, I'm going to assume then that she does something really different with you than she's doing with me. again, it's not a criticism or a negative thing to say. I'm just going to point that out. Like I'm the only you get you're the guys with the problem. I'm the only person with the emotion.
2: Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think we haven't maybe really touched the, the 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 core of the of the real issue yet. Or I mean, no, no, we no.
0: <laughs> Look, I mean, I'm trying to navigate with no stars and no compass. I see. Because I'm sort of saying a whole bunch of stuff, looking for some sort of emotional connection or reaction. Then I'll know what's important. Yes. That's all right. But I have no idea what you guys are feeling. I'm getting a lot of dry, abstract, blah, 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 right? A lot of confusing misstatements and a lot of, well, I think that's interesting. But here's my perspective. And then a lot of stuff that I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Mm. All right. Right. So I, I can't get to what's important uh, if you're not opening your heart's yeah. right
2: maybe i should be more assertive here and and maybe i should Please do. state more um, all right um, uh, i think i think the 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 problem could be summarized with that i have a lot of difficulty accepting criticism um or or any kind of a negative emotion and i take that on my own shoulders uh, or i yeah uh, this this sorrow or whatever it may be um, and somehow this translates to me as i don't know i'm a bad person or uh, okay, yeah.
0: I'm sorry. I, I just I, I can't stand any more descriptions. <laughs> right? I, I need a connection. Look, I mean, there are people who really want to work hard on the show and really work to connect with their feelings with me. Okay. And, it, and I'm not saying you have to cry or scream or you know kiss the microphone or anything like that. I'm not talking about anything that. I just I can't take any more captions. I can't take any more abstract descriptions of things. like either we're going to have an emotional connection in the conversation or we're not. Yeah. And I'm not, again, it's not a criticism or anything like that. I'm just telling you, I can't pretend to have a conversation when you're describing yourself like you're a piece of 14th century Chinese art.
2: How do I go about to to do this? Could you help him help?
3: Do you want me to explain the situation?
2: I don't know. No, no explanations. No, no, no no explanations.
3: I cannot cannot tell how you
2: feel. I mean... Uh, I, f- I
0: can't tell how either of you feel. I have no idea what this conversation means to you. Now, it's tough. We don't have eye contact and all that, so we have to work a little bit harder, Yes, right? yes, yes.
2: Um, yeah. Um, well, I, just tell me what you're feeling.
0: Don't describe it. Just tell me like what you're feeling in simple terms.
2: You mean... You mean like right now? Right now, oh, yeah, right now. Okay, let's <laughs> call okay. connection okay. in the moment. Okay, right, right now, how actually, how you feel now? Yeah. Okay. To be honest, right now I do feel a little bit uh, criticized and uh, feel a little bit unfairly treated. I think, which is actually a common. Unfairly treated is not is We're... not an emotion. Do you feel angry at me? It's fine yeah, if you do yeah, no uh, may, that. Maybe a, little, may, maybe a little, maybe a little, maybe a little. Okay, okay. So go ahead with that. All right. Uh,
0: I'll take that over what came before. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um,
2: yes. Um, hmm. I also, I, uh, I also would like to get to the, to the, hmm, get to the core. No, of no, the...
0: no. Tell me, tell me about your. If you feel, if you feel anger, then tell me about that. Right. Because that's a feeling we can connect on.
2: Okay. Um, uh, how how do I how do I how do I say it? Um, um, I feel I didn't I wasn't really giving a lot of chances to to connect or to to um, show my emotions or be really involved in the conversation. Uh, how sorry? How do I give you permission to show your emotions?
0: Uh, I mean we've been talking for what an hour and a quarter yeah I've asked a lot of questions I've had a few couple of speeches just trying to find some place to connect how is it that I have not given you the opportunity or the space or the permission to express your emotions
2: um I think I'm I'm afraid to bump in and interrupt and uh, and I think there was a lot of I don't know rhetorical questions um I've, I've been mostly listening. Well, no,
0: you and I have been talking for 20, 25 minutes, right? Yeah. And I'm. it's not like I've said, don't talk, right? And it's not like you've expressed some feelings and I said, I don't want to hear those feelings. No, that's true. That's true.
2: Um, I don't know. I feel like, I, I don't know. I was trying to do the right thing. I mean, I was trying to to listen and to to pick up on something. And, I mean, sometimes I'm not really sure where you're going, um, but I'm thinking that's going to connect to the end, in the end. Um, okay, so you were trying to do the right thing, and what is the right thing
0: in this conversation with me?
2: Mm-hmm. I'm to not trying listen- to be rhetorical. like I really the- want to know what, what, what is the right thing for you. To listen and to learn something or i mean i'm I'm calling for advice um I'm calling for advice that's that's what i'm what's, what, what I'm doing so um, when you have a <laughs> uh,
0: so you want to just listen right
2: No well, I don't want to listen I want to talk also of course I want you to understand. I mean, I want you to understand my point of view or, or my problem, or, or yeah. And then I would like to hear your words on it, or to. Have but your problem is
0: an emotional problem, right? Yes, it is. And can I understand your emotional problem if you don't give me any emotions?
2: Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, my emotional problem is not really with you. It's with within the relationship. I
0: don't. I don't. No, no, you. no. Can you? No, this is important because this this is your relationship that I'm talking about here. This is not your relationship with me. This is your relationship with Catherine that I'm talking about. So, can you get to the heart of an emotional problem if you don't give me any emotional content? I don't mean descriptions. Mm. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't want an actor up there at the funeral of his beloved mother, an actor, crying, and then the director comes in and says, no, 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 no. Don't have the emotion. Describe the emotion with no emotion. And then the actor's up there saying, okay, I think I got it. I'm sad that my father, I'm sad that my mother died. I, I feel overwhelming grief and uh, I don't know how I'm going to get out of bed in the morning, and, uh, ooh, and eclair, I think I'll have that too. Yeah. That would not be good acting, right?
2: No, no, of course not, no. Okay, So,
0: so if you're having an emotional problem, then a way to connect is... Not intellectually, not through descriptions, not through language, but through emotion, right? Mm, yes. Do you? Because not having the emotional openness indicates that you don't trust me. I- because you're taking safety in descriptions, in abstractions. And that's why we're not connecting to anything that's working for you.
1: Hmm.
2: But should I just should I describe the issue with more pathos?
0: <laughs>
2: pathos. <wow>. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know. I mean, I have a problem with with a. Uh, I have a problem with emotions. That is that is absolutely true. And. And uh, to be fair, I've, I've been extremely nervous to, to call in here. And, uh, and you're doing great.
0: You're doing really well. Look, if, if we weren't talking about this, we wouldn't be solving the problem. So this is, you know, you said you wanted to get to the heart of the problem. Well, here we are. <laughs> so this is, this is great. This is what the call is for. Okay. Okay, so this is not a deviation. This is not a problem. This is good, I think. Okay. All right. Okay. So, why are you so guarded? And it's not a criticism. It's not a criticism. I know it's going to feel that way,
2: but it's not a criticism. I'm a. I'm, You're very guarded. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I mean, I am afraid of being hurt, and I'm afraid of exposing myself and be, being hurt. Of course. Great.
0: Uh, Great. Now, good. Okay. So, what is your worst-case scenario? If you open your heart to me, what dickish thing might I do to your open and vulnerable heart?
2: I don't know. Maybe you won't do so much, but I don't know. There's there's a...
0: No, no. You're talking to me. I take this personally, right? Right. If you're not opening up to me, it means that you are concerned that I'm going to do something bad.
2: Um, Harmful, hurtful. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, everything is
0: personal, right? If I'm selling you something on eBay and you won't buy from me because you don't trust me, then you don't trust me. You say, well, I don't trust humanity in the abstract. It's like, it's no, it's me that you don't trust.
2: Yes, also. I mean, and the rest of the Internet. Um.
0: Yes, okay, but you're an anonymous person, right? Nobody knows who the hell you are, right? So, so my question is, what is the worst-case scenario? You guys are struggling, right? You guys are struggling with each other, and you're also missing the meat of life without the emotions, right? Like every day that goes past where you're not able to express and feel and connect, but we do. Is a day tossed in the ash can of history, but, but, which you don't get to go back and
2: live again more richly, right? No, but we, but we do. I mean, we have, in particular, late. There's been a lot of emotions in, in uh, around here, and that's that's kind of what we what we're calling. Um,
0: oh, so you you just don't have emotions with me?
2: I don't know. I, I think maybe we didn't really get to the really emotional part. Maybe uh, I, 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 I... Look, that's your choice, though. What I'm, I'm giving you the responsibility.
0: Okay. Right? So when we're talking about this kind of stuff, you can open your heart to me or you cannot open your heart to me. You don't have to do either. But if you don't open your heart to me, I'm going to point it out.
2: All right. That's fair enough.
0: Fair enough. And if you don't want to open your heart to me, that's completely fine. It's your choice. I would like but I'm to. not going to pretend to have a conversation about emotions where there are no emotions, right? Yeah. Because it's going to be dissatisfying as it is. I mean, it's not satisfying. This conversation can't be hugely satisfying for you guys, right?
2: Mm, maybe not so much yet, no.
0: Yeah. No, it's okay. <laughs> it can't be. It can't be. Because we're not connecting, right?
2: Okay. Okay.
0: And if you don't want to... Um, if you don't want to open your heart, that's completely fine. It really is. And it, it's not a bad thing. It's a choice. It's a decision. It is your choice and your decision, right? Because, you know, we assigned your father responsibility. We assigned your mother and your stepmother and Catherine's mother and father responsibility, which means you get that too, right? Yes. Yes. But, uh... but that means you have responsibility. And you both have responsibility in a call where... You talked about RTR, and and this is why I interrupted this, because you said Boketran is really good at RTR. Yeah. Now, I wrote the book. I don't quite agree. Now, you can say, well, (laughs) I don't believe the guy who wrote the RTR book that she's not good at RTR, at least not good in this situation, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the, there was, and you'll, you'll hear this, or rather you won't hear it when you listen back to this conversation, that there is not emotions. There's a lot of baffling descriptions. There's a lot of contradictions. There's a lot of abstractions. There's a lot of shuffling words around. But as far as a connection, a vulnerability, an openness, you guys haven't told me once how you're feeling in this conversation. And then you say, well, she's really good at RTR
2: hmm okay um all right maybe well as I actually I'm telling you how I'm feeling um, right as I did write in the as I did write in the in the the introduction uh, the mail uh, actually mentioned that I do have some trouble understanding RTR so that might very well be (laughs) a valid point you have there um right and, right. and uh, to me, RTR seems like a tool to resolve conflicts somehow. I know this is, not really, <laughs> this is not really it, but yeah, that's a tool to resolve conflicts. No,
0: RTR is honesty and vulnerability. RTR is here's how I feel in the moment without blame, without attack. Have I blamed or attacked you guys for this conversation? No. I'm telling you I'm frustrated. I'm telling you I'm feeling a lack of connection. I'm telling you I don't feel we can solve this. right? I don't think, right? I see. It's an emotional problem without any emotion. Like you, We're talking about an emotional problem without any emotional content. It's like going to the doctor and saying, Doctor, I hurt. And then the doctor presses everywhere in your body and you never tell them where it hurts. Yeah. How can he help? Yeah. He can't help, right?
2: Yes. That's yes, right, right. Um
0: so you guys are coming to me and saying our relationship is hurting and I'm giving you context, I'm giving you some descriptions I'm giving you some thoughts, I'm asking some questions mm-hmm. and you're never giving me any emotional response and so the, 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 can't, can't get anywhere and right. it's not a criticism, it's not, yeah. it's not a criticism at all it's an
2: observation Okay. Um, I see um how, uh, but, but this is actually good this is this is this is a good very actually accidentally really good uh, uh example because um oh you guys are provoking you you were basically asking me
0: do you miss us in the conversation do you miss right us? you withheld yourself to find out if i would notice that you were withholding yourself Yeah. and whether i would I, be honest
2: about whether like do you even know that we're not here yeah maybe I don't know. I, I suppose I was expecting you to to check in, or yeah, that, that's that's a good point. Maybe, maybe yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. It's a good point. You see, there's not it, a debate. No, no, no. It's you're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, but to get to get two steps back here, because you you, you just said like, okay, this is not a criticism, you 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 said, and uh, and this is a. Uh, Exactly like we often <laughs> the discussions we often have here um where she would say something and and I would experience it as as criticism, although she says this is not criticism and and to be to be fair, I feel completely criticized uh, I, I know you say I know you say this is not criticism, but I can't help feeling really criticized and um, feeling you feel really criticized yes
0: my goodness yeah and <laughs> I mean my goodness
2: yeah 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 so, so this is I'm, I'm saying wait wait wait
0: wait 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 a second yeah. here what do you mean you feel criticized
2: um, as
0: I... I mean you're asking me about emotional issues and you're refusing to open your heart and trust me which is an incredible criticism of me right which is why I said well, what, what, what's the terrible thing I'm going to do if you open your heart which you didn't answer right
2: no, you can't really do a lot of things. I mean, you could shame me. That's, that's, I think that's the... But
0: some, there's some negative. You, you, you're, you're shielding yourself because you're expecting some negative response from me in our conversation, right?
2: Yes, I suppose.
0: Right. So you're acting as if I'm dangerous, as if I'm the same as your parents. And you feel insulted? You're, you're putting me in the category of people who've abused children and reacting to me and dealing with me in the same way as you did with people who hurt you, beat you, smashed up your toys. And you feel criticized?
2: Oof, my head is spinning here. I don't know.
0: No. Should I not feel offended that you're using the same emotional tools you developed with abusers in your conversation with me? Hello? Are we still on?
2: Hello?
0: Oh, I think we dropped and returned. Yeah, all
2: right, all right. Yeah, we're so connected.
0: Okay. Yeah, so I'm just, I, mean, I, feel, I feel a bit angry that you would. and this is, again, anger, my anger doesn't mean that you're bad or wrong or anything like that.
2: Yeah, but, th- but this is... Right,
0: but I'm telling you that, that when you say to me, I'm shielding, when you say, well, I'm shielding myself from you in the same way, basically, that I shielded myself from abusers. And I feel criticized when you say that. I'm just giving you my feedback, that if you're shielding yourself from me, if you're hoarding your heart and closing yourself off with me, then you're treating me as if I'm a potential abuser. Which is like asking a woman out on a date and being pepper sprayed.
2: Yeah. But can I help? I mean, I can't help being uh, being cautious. I mean, I am terribly afraid of being Were hurt. you conscious that you – no, no, this is what You don't understand, my friend. Were you
0: conscious that you were cautious?
2: Mm, I don't know. So I, was, no. I, I, I wasn't really
0: – Because, look, if you're saying I can't help being cautious, then RTR, honesty in a relationship, will tell you to say, Steph – I know we called you about an emotional issue. I'm feeling really cautious about this relationship or about this conversation. I'm feeling, I don't know what to say next. I I feel really anxious. My chest is tight. I feel like I want to not be in the conversation. I feel like, right? You would tell me all of those things. But instead, I got long, windy descriptions of things that I don't know what the hell you were talking about. And that's what I mean. The RTR is don't take refuge in descriptions or abstractions. Tell me that you don't want to talk about your feelings. That is an honest.
2: I want to talk expression. about my feelings. I want to talk about my feelings. I'm sorry? I want to. I do want to talk about, about my feelings. I just felt I didn't have the opportunity to really.
0: It's the. Oh man, you're good. <laughs> so now it's my fault that you didn't talk
2: about your feelings. No, it's not. No, it's not. I,
0: I should somehow provide for you the opportunity, roll out the red carpet, and so on. And the fact that I'm asking you questions and listening to your responses means that somehow I'm still not providing you the opportunity to talk about your feelings. Um, No. So you got to own that you didn't talk about your feelings. I'm giving you the glorious gift of self-ownership just as I gave it to your father who's in charge of your brainstem. You are. Yeah. If you had started talking about your feelings, I wouldn't have said, don't interrupt me. I wouldn't have said, no, I'm speechifying. Hmm. You decided not to talk about your feelings, if that was a, indeed a decision, right? And again, uh, I'm simply pointing out a fact. Yeah. But don't tell me that it's because I somehow engineered the conversation that it was impossible for you to talk about your feelings. Come on. You own yourself, right?
2: Yes, I could have butted And pit. this is
0: one of the few places where you can talk about your feelings,
2: and I welcome it. All right, all right, all right. But, okay, so how about feelings then? <laughs> I mean, accident.
0: No, now see, and now ownership is saying <laughs> you're, you're not accepting what I'm saying. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep interrupting you and I apologize for that. But when you blamed me for something that was actually your fault, the next thing to say is I'm sorry for doing that, right? Because it's not fair, right? It's not fair to say it's my fault that you didn't talk about your feelings. No, it's not.
2: No, it's not. So I'm sorry about that. I appreciate that. Okay, so what were you going to say? Um, yeah, about feelings. Um, and uh, we we accidentally kind of stepped on in, in, into the... <laughs> towards the core issue here uh, about criticism. And um, I would like to... Uh, um, I would like to learn how to... <laughs> How to think, or, or why do I think this? Or, I mean, I have really difficulty. Of, why do you think what? Sorry. Wh- 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 why do you think what? Um, why do I, why do I feel ashamed, or why do I feel that it's uh, that I, it's my fault that I should do different? I mean, I mean. Uh, what do you mean it's your fault? I don't know one thing
0: you've taken responsibility for in this call yet. I don't see an excess of self-blame here.
2: Well, when, when, when you say um, – I don't remember exactly what you said before, but you said uh, you don't want to criticize me, but basically um, I, didn't, I didn't talk about my feelings or I didn't connect. It's or- not criticism if it's true.
4: Okay.
2: Like in the way that you
0: mean, like, like attack or whatever, right? Yeah. Like if right. I'm saying I'm frustrated because we're not having an emotional connection and you're not talking about your feelings, that's a fact, right? You weren't talking about your feelings. Now you were hiding. You said, I'm hiding my feelings, right? Yeah. And then you said basically that it was my fault that that was occurring. So tell me where is this excess of self-criticism that you keep talking about? I'm open to it. I'm, I really am. Like, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm missing something here. And if people in the chat room have seen it, I just – I don't know where the excess of self-criticism is that you keep talking about. I don't think it's shown up in this conversation.
2: Well, again, may might be related to me not being completely open with my feelings. So – what do you mean? Hang on, hang on. <laughs>
0: Completely open with your feelings. <laughs> do you see you 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 are a manipulation machine, my God, man. I gotta watch everything you're saying. I mean we need a judge or like point of order, Judge. <laughs> Equivocation, right? All right, all right. No, I, mean, I didn't say completely. I don't even know what completely open with your feelings. What is that, like a heart monitor? <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> a real, like is that a lie detector with every biometric <laughs> known to man? I don't know what that even is. Me being in your brain? Uh, no. A mind map? No, not really. Not,
2: right? No, not really.
0: I didn't, say, I didn't say completely open, but you're hedging, right? So you're manipulating. Um, I wouldn't go as far
2: as saying manipulating. I thought... Sure, you, no, no, you were. You were, because,
0: because you were now holding a... I said you're not open with your feelings. And now you're saying, I'm not completely open with my feelings,
2: right? Well, I right? disagreed a little bit there. I mean, I was... Once we started talking about it, I, I thought at least I said I was feeling... Uh, <laughs> what did I say? I was slightly angry. So, at least I'm, I'm, I mentioned it when I was questioned. So, But, yeah, of course, I, 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 I do not blurt out my... <laughs> blurt out is another manipulation, right? Is it?
0: Because it's a negative phrase. Blurting out is like an involuntary verbal ejaculation, so to speak, right? Yeah. Now, if you were to say, I wasn't being honest in the conversation... Or I wasn't being as honest as I could be, or I wasn't being as open as I could be, or I wasn't being as vulnerable as I could be. And then I blamed you, Steph, for my lack of openness. And now I keep trying to redefine it to make myself look less bad. And Steph, unfortunately, that has the aspect of trying to make you look worse. From a guy who's trying to help me, who has some expertise in the field, I'm arguing and disagreeing and, right? All right. Right I mean th- I think, and that doesn't mean I'm right or anything like that right but but that to me would be you know more honest than this fencing we've got going on right all
2: right all right um, yeah isn't it impolite to interrupt or if you're in the middle of something and, and, and I uh, – no, it's not maybe not impolite. I don't know. It's your call. Go ahead, Mike.
1: Oh, it's your call, Ola. I mean, if Steph's saying something that you're not finding useful, I'm pretty sure he wants that feedback. You know, it's your call. I,
0: you know, I may have given a couple <laughs> of minutes speech here and there to try and connect with something to try and place something in context. But you have plenty of time to talk. Mm-hmm. Like to saying that, that I didn't want to interrupt when we're in the middle of a conversation is also insulting to me, right? Because it's saying that I wasn't interested in your feedback. I was only using you as a platform to speech, if I, right? Yes. That I wouldn't have welcomed your input that, right? That I was narcissistically preening my own verbal abilities at the expense of connecting with you, right? No,
2: not really. Um, but I didn't know. I mean, what, what you said, yeah, maybe I, I was... I didn't know if you were using my conversation as a... I mean, it is a public it's a public uh, stream, and I don't know exactly when you talk about things which is related but is useful for the general public. Oh,
0: come on, come on, come on. Look, we, we either have to speak honestly with each other or I'll move on to the next caller. I mean... If you say, Steph, I couldn't tell you what I was feeling because I didn't want to interrupt you when we were talking for half an hour. What does that say about my openness to you in the conversation? What does that say about my capacity to listen?
2: Yeah, of course, it's, it says that it's, it's not so good. It's terrible. Yeah, it's not really a compliment. That's true. It, no, it's an insult. Yes.
0: See, again, you're hedging. Not really a compliment. This is what I'm... It it is an insult. All right. All right. I'm sorry. No, no. Not all right like I've cornered you or you're pacifying me. If I'm in a half-hour conversation with someone and I say repeatedly that they're not opening up emotionally and they say, well, I didn't want to interrupt you. You didn't give me a chance to. That is an insult. We have to be honest about that. Okay. And then you keep playing the victim and saying, well, I'm so self-critical. But all you've done for the last 15 minutes is insult me in one form or another. And I'm not taking it personally because I know that this is your dad and this is your history and this is your survival strategy, right? So I'm not like that bastard. (laughs) You know, he's saying all these terrible things to me and I can't believe it. And I'm not taking it personally, right? All right. Because I know it's not about me. I'm not even in the conversation that you're having, right? Because I know that I've done nothing to earn the insults. I know that this is probably one of the few conversations where people, where someone is going to care enough about you to point out things that may be of real help. And if you want to know the entire purpose, and sorry, we haven't forgot about you, Katrine, either. But if you want to know the entire purpose of the call. I will tell you, if you like, just so you understand how it is valuable, though you may not know that right now. All right. All right. Please. So, um, because your uh, capacity for honesty remains uh, limited and, and again, that's, means you've... That's good. That's good news because if you guys were perfectly honest and really open and vulnerable and connected and you were still having big problems in your relationship, that would be really bad, right? Because that would mean the relationship would be doomed, right? So the fact that that you're not uh, very honest and then when there's confrontation, you turn to manipulation and insult is good news because it means then when you deal with that, you can be much more connected with each other. But... What you wanted from this conversation, I would argue, I can't prove it, right? It's not a syllogism, but I would argue that what you wanted from this conversation was a demonstration of healthy anger. And so you provoked and provoked until I got angry. And then you got to see healthy, non-destructive anger and assertiveness demonstrated where somebody could um, stand up for his needs and, and request needs from others without becoming abusive, without becoming hostile, without becoming destructive. And you could see that in the moment. And then you tried to provoke further anger by being insulting. Again, unconscious. I'm not saying you mean people or anything like that. By being insulting and and so on. And then I pointed out that it was insulting and I was assertive about it being insulting, without getting angry, without counterattacking, without escalating, without insulting back, without trying to get you, right? So what you needed to see was not the... And I got this halfway through the call. What you needed to see was not an abstract description of that, but a live demonstration.
2: In hindsight, maybe. (laughs) Maybe that's useful. It was... Definitely not what we had in mind when, when, when we first called. Um,
0: but and how's Katrin doing?
3: Um, I'm more confused than anything else.
0: Go on. <laughs>
3: um, I'm sorry, I don't know really. I'm confused. <laughs> I don't know.
2: All right. Do you do you do you share my I I also feel really confused I don't know
3: I'm afraid right now.
0: Go on, afraid of what? Sorry. Do you think afraid of what? Do you think?
3: Hmm. I don't know. I noticed that my uh, that I have really really majorly fast heartbeat and i notice that i'm distracting myself
0: so, yeah confusion is a defense right? yes
3: i know that but i, I cannot tell yeah. you right i'm just trying to feel in my inside myself so i can give you feedback what goes on right now i, I don't know this, the answer right now i also feel i'm getting sad but i'm i'm confusing myself i bounce from one point to the other i bounce from one part of the conversation to another so i'm distracting myself from being sad, and... Let me see. And I'm I'm terribly afraid. Right. But...
0: I assume the fear is because of the presence of anger, at least from my side, and the sadness may be because I didn't leave the room but stayed in the conversation.
3: But, sorry, but what?
0: So... But but what? The fear may be... I, I,
3: sorry, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't understand what you said.
0: Yeah, so... The, the the fear may be because you know your father would get angry and his anger would be destructive. And I got angry. I don't think my anger was destructive. And also, your father would leave the room, but I stayed in the conversation while being angry and did not become destructive. Right
3: it sounds like so logical, you're sad because because if if
0: i can if i can be angry and stay in the conversation and i think that it was good that i did i hope it was good it,
3: it ma- and it, it makes complete sense rationally what you're saying it doesn't resonate emotionally with me
0: yes but what does resonate emotionally with you at the moment that's the challenge right all right right i mean if if and i'm i'm certainly happy to hear alternative theories right but you had an example of of anger being destructive and i think here is an example of anger being useful.
3: You don't think i I understand that anger is useful is that right?
0: Well, I just don't know if you've seen it modeled.
3: well i mean i I, I guess of, of course I mean, at least from you in 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 the shows
0: right oh no? well. Um, if it's all right with you guys, I mean, I I would say, listen to the call. I think there's a lot to, to get out of it and try and try and listen in a sort of physically relaxed, like sit on the couch, turn down the lights and try and work at physical relaxation while listening to the call, because I'm certainly glad you guys called in and I hugely appreciate you staying with a challenging conversation. I really do. And none of this is to indicate that I'm right about anything. Uh, but, um, I hope that, uh, I noticed that you weren't there, uh, at least present t- to me, emotionally or connected. And uh, I sort of tried to point it out. And then we hit sort of a secondary line of defenses, which was evasion and insults. And then confusion is the third line of defense and so on. And I think that's <laughs> you know, it's enough of a journey to go for today. But uh, I really, really appreciate it the call in I, I hugely do i mean it's uh, it's very tough you know for people who are like oh you should do this or you should do that yeah 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 <laughs> you know try try call again with a real personal challenge and see what happens it is very very hard to have these kinds of conversations and i really do appreciate you guys um uh talking about this stuff
2: all right thanks for thanks for
3: ta- thanks for taking the time yes
0: thanks for taking the time you're very welcome and uh, mike who do we have next
1: Next up is Alex Alex wrote in and said I listened to the estrogen based parasite show And think the logic Stefan applied with the caller Has no bearing on his situation Stefan's thinking is not flawed in all circumstances Especially regarding the North American experience But in the third world countries And developing countries That logic just doesn't fly The caller was sold that his father was exploited In some sense By the women in his family But that's just not how people think not how people who live in those circumstances see things. Go ahead, Alex.
5: Hi, Steph. Hi, Michael. Yeah, I, I just, hi. Go ahead. I just thought.
0: So, so hang on. So you're saying that you know how all the people in the third world think?
5: Well, I have experience in the third world, and I have I I was able to I felt relate to him better than you could. Um, and and without listening to his entire conversation, you immediately thought that, you know, it was his mother who was the who was wearing pants in the family who was pushing him out to work. But we don't really know if it was maybe his father who took the initiative and decided to abandon his dream and become uh, of becoming whatever to actually support his family and, and say, no,
0: no, 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 no. Come on. The guy was 18 years old. His mother, I assume, was 40 or 50, right? So if he's doing something that is destructive to his dreams, then it's her job to say, no, 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 no. You don't give up on your dreams to give me money. I'll go get a job.
5: Yes. I mean, that sounds really nice. Um, sounds really. Oh, come on. Don't, don't
0: patronize me, man. Don't, don't pull that. Well, that sounds really nice. Is that not a valid and fair point to make?
5: It is here. For the circumstances here.
0: No, no. You're talking about this guy's situation. Yes. He was from Morocco.
5: I thought he was from Brazil.
0: I thought it was Morocco. Regardless. Because uh, he's, he talked about uh, when did I visit Morocco, things were different. I can't remember. Anyway. Oh. Okay, let's say let's say Brazil. I, it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. But is it not true that if my child, at the tender age of 18, when a child is 18, they are still seven years away from brain maturity. They are, still have an immature brain. Whereas a woman of 50 has a fully mature brain and all the wisdom and life experience of being a parent and being married and right living for 50 years. So if my child is going to do something self-destructive for that child... And I, as the parent, am perfectly willing for my child to do that when it benefits me and costs my child? Come on. How
5: can you say that's all right? It's not all right, but, but we don't know how self-destructive it was for him. Um, we know also that people change their goals and their dreams all the time. I only know one person who in high school or elementary school knew he wanted to be a jet pilot, and lo and behold, today, 30 years later, he is a jet pilot.
0: What are, you, what are you talking about? I don't understand. The guy said that the grandfather's pension ran out and his father had to go and work to give money to his mother and his sister. And he had to give up his dreams and go become a petrochemical engineer because his mother needed money.
5: The family needed money. and The mother needed money. <laughs> well, do we know that the mother has pushed him out? I didn't gather that from the call that the mother said, you got to go out and get money to me. Maybe the... the But no,
0: see, this is the... You're not listening. Okay, we're either going to have a conversation or you're just going to repeat the same points as if I haven't talked, right? The mother should have told him, even if he had that urge, first of all, that urge would come from cultural norms around male disposability, right? So he wouldn't just have that feeling out of nowhere. Secondly, the mother should tell him no pursue your dreams i'll get a job
5: if he if she can find a job and if you put yourself in the in the in the mentality of the third world where jobs are few and far between what's who is likely to get a job and the bottom line is they need money and assuming that his mother had best intentions um she would why would, dissent, i'm sorry
0: why would i why would i assume the mother had best intentions
5: why would you not
0: you are you assuming i had best intentions
5: uh i do i do assume that you have best intentions yeah
1: doesn't sound like it,
0: it well <laughs> doesn't sound like it Mike would you like to read the question again
1: I can do that I listen to the estrogen-based parasite show and think the logic Stefan applied with the caller has no bearing on his situation. Stefan's thinking is not flawed in all circumstances, especially regarding North American experience. But in third world countries and developing countries, that logic just doesn't fly. The caller was sold that his father was exploited, in quotes, in a sense, by the woman in his family, but that's just not how people who live in those circumstances see things.
0: Yeah, nothing about best intentions for me. Nope.
5: Well-
1: Hey, just, just, about how question, I'm wrong. just because
5: I disagree with you on the approach doesn't mean that he, I don't believe that you had best intentions.
0: Okay. All right. So we have to be explicit about best intentions for women, but we don't have to ever talk about it with men unless we're called to them. Okay. All right. So, um, so you're saying that the mother could not uh, have gotten a job. Because he didn't say she spent six months looking for a job, right? He didn't. He's 18. Yeah, he didn't say that. Now, if 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 I said, "Well, wait a second, why did you have to go to work?" and he said, "Well, she spent six months trying to find a job," and blah 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 blah. Okay, well, that's a little different, right? But he didn't say that at all.
5: He, he didn't provide enough information, I think, and and he, he wasn't quizzed enough to to kind of get that information out of him. But I just felt that that uh, that he, he even though he agreed, he seemed at the end of the call, he seemed to have agreed and. He was kind of he, he was content that your answer was was satisfactory but I, I just felt that that it wasn't exactly um that it wasn't exactly on the target perhaps i'm wrong but i i just didn't
0: just well did the, the caller see did you i mean did you you said you didn't listen to the whole call i did oh you did okay now did you do you agree that the caller found it very useful and helpful and called it life-changing
5: uh Yes, I agree with that.
0: Okay, so he's incorrect in that.
5: Um uh, he could be you know sometimes we grab onto things that at the time seem plausible but I, obviously I he didn't describe his mother enough for me at least um to to understand her her motivations. But
0: I, okay, so so if I understand this correctly, the fact that she might have gotten Tried to get a job, but didn't. And that was never talked about is one possibility for which there's no evidence and for which the man could easily have corrected me on. Right? Yes. So so you're, you're holding, you're hanging your hat on that. And then you're saying that although the caller found it accurate, true, and life-changing, he's not correct about that either. And you say that my thinking is somehow empirical, like anti-empirical and, and flawed. The evidence is that there was oh, come on you and i both know there was no search for a job for 6 months give me a break <laughs> and and look we'll, we'll we'll contact the guy if you like we'll contact the guy and confirm it but i guarantee you i guarantee you that there's no looking for a job for 6 months and then you're saying that the guy like i'm talking to a guy i don't know if brazil is even considered the third world but let's say i'm calling to i'm calling to a guy from brazil we have a long conversation he says it's had a huge impact and has been a life-changing conversation. And then you're saying that I don't address people's concerns from the third world. I think I'll actually just go with the caller's experience rather than your interpretation and say that he's wrong because you have no evidence that I was wrong.
5: Well, that's true. I mean, ultimately, that bottom line—that's true. Uh, you know, he 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 agreed. He agreed with you at the end of the call. But I, I just felt—I mean, perhaps wrongfully—so I just felt that you jumped on.
0: On, you jumped uh... no 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 the way you introduced yourself to me was not I have a feeling but Steph you are wrong <laughs> and now, now you're going with well okay I've been proven wrong or at least I have no evidence for my assertion Steph that you're wrong but I had a feeling but I'm not going to do a bait and switch you don't get to come on this show and tell me that I'm wrong empirically and factually and incorrect and then when I disprove your assertion go back to a feeling that you had
5: well, I, I, you know, it's it's it's. I just, I, I, guess, I just felt that, that uh, it, it didn't connect. No, no, no. I don't care about your
0: feelings. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You come on with a factual correction, an empirical, logical, rational, philosophical correction. You don't get to switch to feelings.
4: Well,
1: I, it was. Alex, little, if you want to talk about the email, wasn't, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Alex, the email wasn't. I listened to the estrogen-based parasite show, and it made me feel really uncomfortable. I felt X, Y, and Z. I'd like to come well, out and talk about it.
5: It wasn't... Steph
1: is wrong.
0: Now, what you can do if you want to earn talking about feelings, you can say to me, Steph, I was wrong in saying that you were wrong. I was incorrect. It was rude of me to publicly call you out for being incorrect when it turns out I have no proof behind my assertions. I'm very sorry. That was wrong of me. Now, you can say that. But don't start switching to feelings without acknowledging that you treated me unjustly by saying that I was wrong while having no evidence.
5: Well, I, I guess I suppose I would agree with that. Um, it, I mean, I, I didn't formulate that particular question, but uh, but I, I went. You what? Uh, you
0: you didn't formulate that question. I don't know what that means.
5: Well, ne- well, that's okay. Uh, let's not let's not worry about that. But um, but no, no.
0: I'm sorry. I just. I'm not well, worrying about Michael it. I just don't know what that means. The person that
5: formulated the question, and I just kind of approved it. So,
0: um, wait, who? So, which woman was it that formulated the question? Which woman? Yeah.
5: Well, my question to, to you, my question for the show wasn't uh, saying that you were wrong, uh, outright calling you wrong or anything like that. It's just that that my feeling was that you jumped the gun. And the question for the show that Michael read up. To wait,
0: you, no, no. Who formulated
5: the question? Michael. Michael, your producer. Oh. That's
1: Michael's question? Yes. Let me pull up your exact email right now.
0: Mm -hmm. All
5: right.
1: So let's get to the bottom of this. (laughs) All right. The email was... I don't have any particular questions for Stefan, but I think the logic he applied to that one color from Brazil has no bearing on the situation. Stefan's... Thinking is not flawed in all circumstances, especially in North American experience. I agree that there are many people who exploit their quote-unquote neighborhood man for their own purposes. But in the third world countries and developing countries, that logic doesn't fly. The color was sold that his father was exploited, in a sense, by the women in his family. But that's not just how people who live in those circumstances see things. I don't know how exciting that topic will be for the show. But if you think a discussion about it is worthwhile, I will do it. I responded back and said, I normally read introductions to the callers, and I made a brief summary of what you wrote. Is this okay? And then
4: that was the summary that you responded,
1: and you said it
5: was fine. Don't, Stefan, don't take this as a personal uh, insult to you or calling it wrong. I just felt that—
1: You're just being uh, dishonest.
5: Me? Yes. Well—
0: You said it wasn't, your, it wasn't your formulation of the question, but it was a summary of your argument which you agreed with.
5: Well— I didn't call you wrong, but I just felt that, that I. Didn't.
0: Okay, we're not having any truth in here. Mike, can we move on to the next caller? Yes. Thank we you can. very much for your call. That was very instructive.
1: All right, up next today is Jesse. Jesse writes in and says, My question is in relation to anger. Interesting show topic. Ooh.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, I- God damn it, there's a theme <laughs> here.
1: <laughs> I exhibit that stems the anger that I exhibit that stems from my broken home as a childhood combined with my time in the military and how I can better control myself around my wife and kids. Specifically, how do I deal with my wife's own anger issues without inflaming the situation instead of resolving it?
4: Go ahead, Jesse. Good morning, Stefan.
0: Good morning. How are you doing, Jesse?
4: Good. Good to talk to you again.
0: First of all, I'd just like to say no thanks for your service. I know you always get thanks for your service. I would just like to say as an anarchist, no thanks for your service <laughs> for me. But
4: I'm with ahead. you. I'm actually with you on that one. Um, I believe you are. I, I, I actually, are. I actually use, you know, the the thanks for your service as a segue to uh, kind of enlighten people in the reality of my service for the corporatocracy than any freedom that they may enjoy.
0: Yeah. So good for you for doing that. I just wanted to be clear on that. So, what did you do in the military, if you don't mind me asking?
4: I was in the infantry with the 82nd.
0: Ooh, man. So you were like bayonet distance, right? I'm sorry about that. Holy shit. Yeah. Well. Holy shit.
4: I don't know. Sometimes I th- I think, uh, looking back at my life, it was maybe a, a more peaceful time in some respects, but,
0: uh, Oh, you mean since once you got back?
4: Uh, no, I mean just some, you know, dealing with stuff in my childhood and, uh, and things like that. Just, uh, right. I don't know. Um, basically I, uh, you know, my, my parents divorced when I was very young. I, I want to say five, but I don't really remember, and they don't really talk about it. So um, I've repeatedly asked them over the years separately, you know, why did you guys get divorced? And, you know, my mom blames my dad's drinking, and my dad blames my mom's lack of respect for his desire to work and provide for the family. But there, I mean, there's, you know, there's, never any agreements on that. And I've just kind of left it as it is. But, um, uh, my, my dad got involved with somebody fairly quickly after the separation, similar to the, the first caller there. And, um, she was a, a, uh, perfect example of a tyrant. Um, she was a, a, her household was very super structured. So when I, when my mom was in an abusive relationship and I ended up moving in with my dad and her, she recognizing that I came from a broken home immediately clamped down on me and, uh, did everything she could, despite the fact that her kids, she had a son and a daughter that were around my age. We, we got along great. We had a great time together. We always had a lot of fun. There was rarely any kind of discord between the children but she was afraid that my upbringing would somehow you know soil their perfection or whatever and um so she would always you know after she saw that I was kind of failing in school she would isolate me to my bedroom she would make me sit down and do entire chapters of my textbooks to try and catch up and um very emotionally abusive to me And my dad was basically passive the entire time, um, to the point where like, if, if we would drive together in his truck to go somewhere together, just the two of us, I could open up to him and we could talk and and he would agree with me and, and he would apologize and, and we'd have that great connection. And I really looked forward to those times, but as soon as we got back home, it was as if that never even happened. So, um, and, he, you know, he was drinking the whole time and he had a lot of anger issues. He would const- – uh, last time we talked, I, I told you he would make me go toe-to-toe with him where he would – you know, we'd basically stand toe-to-toe and he'd dare me to to hit him. Um, and I never did. Well,
0: your father uh, – wait, this was a more recent thing, right? Your father daring you to hit him?
4: This This was when I was a kid. This was, this was when I was Jesus. 12 or 13 years old.
0: He would dare you hit him. Like, what? Under what possible circumstance could that that occur?
4: Well, he was wasted most of the time. So, I mean, that, I mean, his his life was basically uh, get up at three or four o'clock in the morning, go to work, come home at three or four o'clock in the afternoon, cook dinner, drink, and go to bed. So, I mean, that was pretty much my experience with him.
0: Yeah. So, you hitting him might have been an improvement on his day, right? Uh,
4: and we would have given him something to, yeah. Get his blood going a little or something. But um. so at, at some point.
0: Um, so wait, your your stepmom was concerned that you might be toxic to her family. Yeah. But marrying an alcoholic abuser was somehow going to be fucking great for her children, right?
4: Yeah, well, he was putting her through college, so, you know.
0: Oh, estrogen-based parasite. Time. Right, I got right, it. Right, okay, right, right. okay. So yeah, he was a he was a drunken ATM who might beat her children, but at least she got some cash uh, for her hoo-hoo. Okay, got it. All right. So sorry uh, I'm sorry that that was your introduction to anything to do with women, but uh, all right.
4: Well, fortunately, for some time before that, I was living with my mom, and and despite the fact that she was a recovering alcoholic. Um, and dealing with those issues, she actually did a reasonably good job under the circumstances, um, as far as making sure I was uh, fed and clothed and housed and all that. But um, it uh, at some point, she, the stepmother, decided that I was uh, I was too much. She enrolled me in counseling. Um, many of the sessions I found out later on. Um, there would be times when my therapist and my, and they, and my stepmother and dad would meet without me and talk about things, um, which uh, I can get back to that later. But, um, basically she brought stories that I would write completely, you know, conscious of their fantasy nature and, uh, would basically dress it up. Like I was, I was, I was delusional and that I I believed that what I was writing was real and um, I ended up getting institutionalized because of that. And she worked, she was an in-home health nurse and she worked in the company where I was seeking therapy or not seeking, but receiving therapy. So um, her words kind of, I guess held somewhat of a bit of clout. And again, my dad was just kind of there. Um, he didn't really, mm-hmm. I guess, have anything to say about it one way or the other. Um, while the therapy was going on, there would be a lot of talking between the adults and I would kind of pick up you know, buzzwords or whatever and then I'd go to my school library and look it up and I started reading up on psychology and different things and I ended up reading Michael Crichton's uh, Terminal Man and just to be fun just because i thought it'd be funny i guess because i was you know a kid i ended up telling my therapist that i was hearing voices and um exhibiting the signs of the schizophrenic that was the main character in that book so i got institutionalized um i was 13 mm. 13 at this time while well, i was institutionalized um and and when they determined to do that, I broke down and I told them that I completely made everything up, but it was too late. So I guess you know somebody who was actually crazy, I guess, would say that. But um, So I ended up spending, I don't know exactly how much time, I want to say like six weeks. It was something beyond the typical stay at this particular place. Uh, while I was there, I was on a cocktail of medications. They had me, um, they would give us Thorazine if we, you know, got out of line or whatever. Um, and I was on Depakote, novane Wellbutrin, and these are all first gen, you know, this is when it Wellbutrin first came out. So it was, uh, but there is a, a probably two or three by the time I left the hospital, um, that I was on outpatient, so I, I couldn't go outside because if I was in the sun too long, you know, I'd melt or whatever. Um, and uh, so my childhood was pretty restrictive after that, and I was in a kind of a halfway home, not not a home, but like a, a place to go to school instead of going to school. Um, right. And then eventually I got released back in the uh, general population of the public school system. And then shortly thereafter, my stepmother said that she didn't feel safe with me in the house. So the state came and put me in what they called a host home program, where I basically stayed with um, like a foster family until the state could determine whether or not I was uh, eligible to go to a a state home or whatever. Um, some point after that, my mom realized the whole, this whole time that I was in the home, my stepmother's kids and her and my dad would tell my mom that I just wasn't available anytime she'd call to talk to me. Um, so she had no idea what was going on. But once she called the school and spoke to my guidance counselor, he told her what was going on. And she started driving from Maine where she was living to New Jersey, where I was living to try and fight for custody. And she had to go through all these different things where she was, she had to demonstrate that she was seeking therapy and that she was still going to AA and that she wasn't drinking and, you know, all this other stuff. And um, about four months later, she finally convinced them to uh, give her custody of me and I started staying with her until she started getting all stressed out. I was not an easy kid by any stretch of the imagination to deal with, as you can imagine.
0: Hey, 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 Certainly. hey, what? Well, no, come on, come on.
4: Oh, come you're on. right, you're right, you're right. No excuses. Come
0: on. No excuses. Don't give me that. You know better than that, right?
4: right. So um, she put me, started putting me in these um, kind of temporary shelters, uh, and I bounced around between two or three of those while she was trying to procure funds to pay for tuition to send me to a state school there, like a residential school. And that never happened. Um, and we were, in the beginning, we were staying with my sister on a Navy base, and then we ended up getting Section 8 housing somewhere for a while.
0: Wait, so your dad was military too? Uh,
4: no, my my sister. My sister was uh, in the Navy at that time.
0: Yeah, so you all went, had this horrible childhood in my military, right? Did you ever meet anyone in the military who came from even a remotely normal background?
4: Mm, no. No, I, I don't really remember anybody. But, uh, I mean, we had some I mean, very... they say
0: wounded warriors like it's the missing leg. Right. right. It's like, no, they have to be wounded to become warriors, right?
4: Well, I mean, and that was the weird thing. is, So I was 17 when I joined the Army. And because um, I had, you know, I had i ended up going to Job Corps for a while. I don't know if you know what that is. It's kind of a live-in vocational program. Um, and I ended up getting kicked out for hacking, computer hacking. And, um,
0: and just, or just by the by, right? So the people always say, well, what are you going to do with really dysfunctional people in a free society? Well, you know, you had a horribly dysfunctional history, a, a, a relentlessly abusive history. And you were... Well-armed, right? Yeah. well, That's what I mean when I say, like, uh, what are we going to do with crazy people? And I'm not saying you're crazy, but I mean, what are we going to do with dysfunctional people in a free society? It's like, well, why don't we not give them nukes? Let's start with that. Let's not give them the ability to counterfeit uh, as much money as they want. Let's not give them uh, bunker buster bombs and uh, infinite access to destructive weapons. You know, that's just my particular approach. But uh, please go on.
4: Um, so basically, uh, once I got my, my stint at the job core ended, I ran away with my girlfriend that I met there. We lived in Boston for a while and then, uh, moved out to Missouri to be with her uncle where I, I worked for a company he owned. It was a trucking company. Um, and I was basically on the warehouse, just kind of loading and unloading 18 wheelers all day. And he was, um, Former special operations, so he told me, you know, his uh, and and I was older than his son, so you know, he he had a hard on for you know what you really need to do is you need to go join the military and get your shit together, and um, and this was before 9/11 happened, and then uh, somewhere in between there, I broke up with her, moved back to Maine, but not back with my mom. I ended up moving in with a friend, and I was just kind of doing my own thing. I, I was selling credit cards on the over the phone and uh and then 9-11 happened and i pretty much you know you know how that goes Mm -hmm. that wrote my ticket for uh my getaway plan so went to the recruiting station um i ended up you know i I always had a proclivity for computers so i I tried to get in as a signal intelligence person um which i i've blew my ASVAB out of the water so I could do whatever I wanted and um I failed the it was like a like a D lab test where they test to see your ability to to learn new languages or whatever. And I'm I I didn't, yeah. I didn't have time to finish it. So they said I couldn't do signal intelligence. So then I was like, well what can get me on a plane tomorrow? And obviously you know. And my dad was infantry with the hundred and first and there's conflicting stories about whether or not he actually went to Vietnam or not. But at the time I was still pretty much, uh, probably more in my dad's corner than my mom. Cause at the time I was kind of resentful of my mom because I felt I, I, didn't have any compassion for her diminished, you know, mental state. And, um, I kind of criticized her for, for living on the system and for, going to the food bank when, you know, she had a job because I didn't understand, you know, I didn't understand where we were at socioeconomically, but um, I, uh, so anyway, I joined the army, got in the infantry. Um, they were kind of fast tracking everybody, obviously. So by the time I got through infantry and airborne school, I went to uh, the ranger indoctrination program, which yes, that's actually what they called it at the time
0: right um, <laughs> there's truth in advertising sometimes right
4: right so i i did the ranger thing for a while and then um the special forces recruiters came up and tried to recruit a bunch of us out of rangers to go to the sf program because i needed to you know fill those numbers up. what's sf special forces
0: oh yeah sorry okay Can I-
4: right and i ended up getting hurt and training there so then i just got bumped to the 82nd where the team or the unit I got uh, attached to just got a warning order to go to Afghanistan. And because of those special weapons training I had through the special warfare school, I automatically got bumped up to team leader and uh, basically spent as much time as I possibly could being deployed from there on out.
0: Right. Right.
4: So I bounced around between um, Afghanistan, Iraq, and Africa for the better part of a decade. Um, came to New Orleans, where I live now, during Katrina to help out. Um, and always said I'd come back once I got out, once I got out. Which I got out with the Army because they told me that um, they had a civilian psychologist that was evaluating everybody, and they said that they didn't feel that I could... Um, conduct myself anymore because you know i was doing my job and um they told me you know they wanted me to write a desk or whatever and i told them basically they could uh where they could stick it and evidently they didn't like that so they let me go wow. but um since then lived in new orleans for about five years now met my my wife uh it'll be three years well it'll be 5 years in October. We've been married for 4 3 years next month. We have two twin we have twin boys now. there will be two next month. So now I'm just trying to and and she comes from a less broken. Her parents are still married, but they're extremely verbally and emotionally abusive and manipulative. So that's her background and combined with mine, it's kind of a we're We're perfect in a in a, a thousand different ways and in many ways she is everything I probably would have been if I didn't join the military um, right and and I really really love that about our relationship but there's times where you know she she talks to me condescendingly or she'll she'll she gets angry very quickly, which is how her parents talk you know their like go-to tone is yell or sarcasm yeah. or whatever. So she has a tendency to get angry very easily and it, and it affects me because I'm sensitive, you know, uh, emotionally, uh, especially to being yelled at or being condescended to or whatever. And, um, then we, we just end up going back and forth and kind of feeding on one another. Sure. And, um, I've I've been recently trying to deal with my drinking issue, which I I had been three months sober last time we talked, and I've backslidden since then. In fact, I almost drank myself to death yesterday, so or the day yesterday. Yeah, yeah day before yesterday. What do you mean? Well, my mom was here. My mom and stepdad came down here to visit, to see the kids, and uh, her and my mom, it's pretty much a cats in a bag every time they get together. So, um, Okay. and, uh, my wife and I went out to dinner and I had two, you know, large things of sake and a beer and then came home and drank a bottle of wine and yeah, was
0: and then much, what happened?
4: Well, I was pretty much incapacitated for the next several hours, you know most of that next day, most of yesterday.
0: And do you think that you were in danger of alcohol poisoning?
4: Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. But, you kind
1: um, of chuckling, Jesse. I just want to point that out. It's, no, I know. It's- yeah, I know. I mean, you're the father of, they hurt. They
0: hurt. of, of two yeah. children, right? And they might've woken up to you being dead, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's the long story short, and that's uh, that's where I'm coming to you.
0: Right. Um, are your girlfriend? Sorry, are, is your wife's parents? Uh, are they around a lot?
4: No, they don't like me. Um, so, when we first got together and decided we were going to move in together, they actually took her car and shut her phone off. So I you know she made the decision to be with me regardless of that but as a result of that they are ex- or her mom is extremely resentful of me and her father basically just does like my dad did and lets her mom do whatever she wants and uh, requests that we do everything to make it easier for him by acquiescing to whatever it is that her mom wants so basically anything any plans that are made have to go through her and if I'm involved then she's not going to want to be involved and she, she won't co- they don't come over really to see the kids um, and uh, so no they've, they're, they're pretty disassociative I guess um, and, I, and, I, and, and I don't think and, and my wife has said that it's specifically because of me that I'm just kind of the vehicle that they're using to uh, run her over with but, um, I mean, it, it makes it very difficult for her because, well, for both of us, because, that, you know, then neither one of us really have anyone to go to um, when, when the fighting happens or, or whatever, which usually ends up in, you know, our fights diffusing into half apologies or, or just, in, you know, unresolved issues that we just pretend – resolved or whatever, until the next fight.
1: Okay,
0: so let's let's start with the immediate stuff, man. And uh, I, of course, the degree to which the psychiatric community is complicit with abusive parents in drugging non-compliant children is a war crime across the generations. And there will be a fucking Nuremberg at some point in the future for these unbelievably evil psychiatric monsters who has as they have generally done throughout history, conspired with the ruling classes to uh, squelch dissent among the young through uh, drugs. Uh, And the only improvement is that it used to be through things like lobotomies and ice baths and torture and all that sort of shit. And now they've gone full intergenerational biochemical warfare on the young. You were protesting child abuse. You were uh, fighting uh, ridiculous levels of abuse within the home and you were drugged. Uh, this is Soviet-style dissident crushing. And it's one of the reasons why young people don't um, rebel that much. And this is why, as predation against the young has increased, so has the lie of mental illness increased. And uh, it is generally non-compliance, uh, a failure to comply with extreme abuse that gets you drugged. So uh, I'm incredibly sorry that you got caught up in that sociopathic evil machinery of drugging children. You needed help, right? Yeah. You needed sympathy, you needed empathy, and instead you got biochemically nuked, right?
4: Yeah, one of the um the therapists I ended up seeing when I got to my mom, and my mom's custody um you know, I was going through the litany of of treatments and different things I was on, and by his estimation, I was on enough drugs to bring down a small male gorilla. Um,
0: no, I don't doubt it. Yeah, I don't doubt it. And, so, and he actually am, helped
4: me um, once I started. And He was like a a therapist, not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. He was a yeah
0: therapist. You know, I, I have a lot more forgiveness for right. Um, and they he do was. Sometimes I mean, he was really. And, oh, yeah. oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
4: He was really into like real, like real therapy where he, we would sit down and, and he identified me as an intelligent kid and we'd play, you know, um, what's that game that, um, Russell Crowe played in beautiful minds. I can't remember. Go. That's what we called it. Go. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he really engaged me and really explored me mentally, you know, um, and it was, it was quite a difference. Um but he actually worked with that hospital or that the place that referred me to the hospital and got all of the transcripts of all the counseling sessions that my dad and my stepmom had with and without me, which is how I found out about the ones that didn't involve me. And um I mean it, it was literally black and white. You could see on the page her her book. Plan, you know, her injecting these little crumbs of this kid's crazy, and all the conversations, and um, I mean, she had an agenda. Clearly, she had an agenda to get me out of the home from the beginning. And uh, yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's it's not uncommon in a sort of 8 like way, right, for the new mom or the new dad, right, right, to want to get rid of the prior offspring, right, and a way to do it that's free right? Getting committed,
4: right? And anger issues from all of that is, um, it's, it's really, you know, I, I've been listening to, I've been eating up everything that you, you've put out. I, I've been listening to the, um, the parenting material. Oh.
0: Now, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want to make sure we get time value for the call. So, sure. I mean, how blunt do you want me to be?
4: Uh, I, be as open to me as I've been with you, you No.
0: Know? Okay. So, I, um, I'm going to break a rule of mine. I'm going to break a rule of mine. Because I, I try never to tell people what to do. In particular, people who've had experience in the military, because it's not like you've had any shortage of orders, right? Sure. Now, the reason that I'm going to break my rule is that you are in imminent danger. And your children are in imminent danger. Okay, so I'm going to break my own rule, but it's for a good reason. So I hope that... And, and you can, of course, reject any and all of what I have to say. Are you ready? Let me sit. <laughs> yeah, you have a sit. Go ahead. You cannot be spending time with abusers. You drank because, was it your wife was fighting with your mom? Is that right?
4: Yeah, sorry, my, my mic was muted. Um, no problem. Yeah, they, I mean, just... Uh...
0: No, this, just yes or no, yeah. right? You, you, yeah. right? Your wife was fighting with your mom, and you almost drank yourself to death. Yes. You cannot expose yourself to that conflict. It will kill you. Look, you and I know that the rate of military suicides is staggering, post-military suicides. For those who don't know, Mike, you want to drop in and uh, drop some number bombs on people?
1: Yeah, I was just looking into this information yesterday. I found an article that had some stuff in it. And there are 22 veteran suicides each day. That works out to 154 each week, 667 each month. It's estimated there'll be over eight thousand within this calendar year.
4: Yeah, I,
0: much worse than
4: combat deaths, right? Yeah, much I, I actually lost—I actually lost three times as many of my uh, former uh, brothers in arms from suicide than from combat last year.
0: Right. So I don't have the luxury of giving advice. I am going to give absolutely unenforceable orders. All right? Sure. You had a terrible childhood. This is one of the worst childhoods I've ever heard of, and I've heard of some doozies. All right? I mean, you were chemically raped, abandoned, confined, abused, incarcerated, demonized, rejected, scorned, labeled, which is a very powerful thing to occur for a child. And there's almost nothing bad that could have happened to you that didn't happen to you, and it is a completely heartbreaking story, one that is tragically common among the military. The ruling classes use broken and smashed up childhoods as weaponized instruments of domination around the world. All right? And this is why the government has no incentive to end child abuse. Because the government needs abuse victims as enforcers. So, like with the first callers, your incredibly heartbreaking and tragic story is part of a larger picture of livestock management. Brutalize the children and you can murder foreigners. And this is why we will never have peace while we have a state. The state cannot survive without enforcers. And enforcers cannot be created without abuse. The state is a shadow cast by child abuse. The people who really serve the state are abusive parents. Everything else is just profit from their immorality. The real rulers are the abusive parents. The political rulers merely exploit their products. Does this make any sense to you? Absolutely. The toxicity of your childhood is so great that I believe all repeated exposures to it is life-threatening to you. Let me say that again. Your early childhood was so toxic and abused that I believe that all exposure to perpetrators is dangerous to your very life. I do not believe that you can survive by having the perpetrators of your child abuse around you for the foreseeable future. It is literally a matter of survival for you and can you imagine what it will do to your children if they wake up to find daddy's cold body in the living room. Little bit of alcohol poisoning, vomit dribbling out of his mouth and his cold eyes staring to the black infinity which preceded our existence. That is a way to get another generation of soldiers growing up. You don't want that for them, right?
4: No, absolutely not.
0: You don't want to breed another generation of kill bots, right? Nope. When your abusers are around you, you cannot be emotionally available to your children. It's too triggering. It's like saying that I can love my child like I'm a shark attack victim that barely survived shark attacks and I can be a great and loving parent to my child while sitting buck naked covered in marinade in a shark tank. I can't, right? No. When your trauma is reactivated, you are unavailable to your children. You are unavailable to your wife and you were almost unavailable to the next goddamn morning, right?
4: Yep, you're right.
0: You cannot be around people who perpetrated, participated, or stood by your child abuse as a child. Look, I'm glad your mom fought for some custody for you. I, I, that's great. But you still ended up back in the machine, right? Right. Right. You need calm. You need non-combat, non-conflict, non-fighting. Right? I would, if I were in your shoes, first of all, give yourself a giant fucking bear hug for surviving what you survived. I mean, holy shit. You literally have balls of diamond slash titanium but if your wife's parents are verbally abusive, keep them out of your house. Your mom was around, married your father, participated to some degree, fought for you to some degree, but you still ended up in the army. Cut off time. Survival time. If you were a single man, you'd have... the Or if you weren't engaged in willfully self-destructive slash suicidal actions, then you could have time, right? That's what I say to everyone else, right? Take time, go to a therapist, work it out. But this is triage. This is an emergency, right?
4: We've been talking about going to see somebody for a while now. Um,
0: and that's great. But until all of that stuff is resolved, and I think you should. I, mean, I think it would be great. Make sure it's somebody who's got some experience with these issues, particularly military or somebody who's got some understanding of the evils of what is called the mental health system, well, that's, which is like calling the Holocaust the Jewish hotel system.
4: That's kind of what I've been dealing with. There's, I mean, there's a couple people. No,
0: no, I'm sorry, I, I, but I really want to get, the, I'm, oh, sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. i was shut up no in a second. I just right. really want to get this across so there's no doubt, at least about my advice or perspective. You cannot have these people in your life right now until you have some stability through therapy and that is probably going to be years. Look, why do soldiers kill themselves? I'm not a soldier, right? So this is with all of the privileged and pampered bullshit of a white middle-class guy, so you can throw it all out with the baby's bathwater if you want, but I believe why do soldiers kill themselves? Trauma escalates until it's visible, and if the only thing that makes trauma visible is a corpse with a hole in its head, then that's what trauma will do. Trauma needs to be seen, and then it dissolves into sadness and connection. If people deny trauma, if people evade trauma, trauma will escalate into self-abuse and abuse of others, and if the only place that trauma can find itself visible is in a gravestone marker, then that's where trauma will find itself visible. So, the fact that you got into, mil- into the military was the result of child abuse and was the result of everyone encouraging you to get into the military, which is why at the very beginning of the call I said no thanks for your service. People get into the military because they were abused and then they return from the military with additional trauma to people who say, good for you for being traumatized, and, and, and view them as blank-faced, camouflaged heroes with no history and just an excess of a moral courage and fortitude. Which is really like saying those brave, noble, heroic, heroin addicts. They come back with the trauma of the childhood, which manifested itself in the trauma of war and of murder. They come back to a society that ignores the child abuse and praises them for their bloodlust that resulted from the child abuse. And they return to the family that did not... I mean, Jesus Christ, if my daughter wanted to join the military, I would literally chain myself to her. I would stand in front of the jeep. I would lie down in front of the airplane. I would do whatever it took to keep her out. But I bet your parents were, your society was pretty fine with you going in, am I right?
4: Yeah, my mom had to sign the papers.
0: Your mom had to sign the papers?
4: Right, because I was seven, The
0: mom, right, the, um, the mom had to sign the papers to get you in, and this same goddamn human being is now floating around your house? She signed the papers to put you into the motor mill? Committing you to an institution that in some ways was even worse than the one that incarcerated you as a teenager? And now she's floating around your fucking dinner table? Really? No wonder oblivion can seem preferable. She signed you into this decade-long murder fest, right? Good for you, son. Go! Go! Get your head together. And who was the asshole guy who was doing that? I can't remember. Join the military. get your head together, what was that?
4: Hang on, sorry. Oh, um, that was my girlfriend at the time's uncle.
0: Girlfriend's uncle, right. right. Yeah, get your head together by exploding others' heads. So your mom, does she have any regrets? About signing you into the military for a war that had nothing to do with 9-11?
4: Actually, we don't even talk about it.
0: Right. Well, you kind of do talk about it with alcohol, right? Mom, you almost killed me once. Maybe you can kill me again. The trauma will escalate until it is visible. Jesus Christ, we've got a million dead Iraqis and we're still not thinking about the childhood that produced these people. 15 million killed by U.S. foreign policy since the Second World War, mostly coming from the South, where child abuse is much more prevalent. And we're still not thinking about better childhoods. So we're still not asking the questions of how these people are produced. How many bodies will it take until we start to examine childhood? How many swords need to rain from the sky and impale helpless souls to the ground before we start looking at the furnace of their birth? I hope it's not an infinity. Dear God, can we be a species that learns from wisdom and philosophy rather than from almost being drowned in blood? Lots of people can teach you to swim. Hey, go teach you to swim. Sign up to swim. You don't have to wait until you're almost drowning in blood and then struggle to learn to swim. Your death will teach the world nothing. Your life will teach your children everything. Letting a woman who signed you up for the military around your children is suicidal because it will provoke the kind of behavior that happened a few days ago, right?
4: Yeah.
0: Not all parents want their children to live. Not all parents want their children to flourish. But all parents who do wrong want to get off the hook. The single biggest decision of your adult life was going into the military, your mother had to sign the papers. You never even talk about it. Well, it's not you who doesn't want to talk about it, but that which we that which is essential, which we don't talk about, we act out. Right? And that one way ticket out of the hellhole of history called the bottle is too tempting, right? And you don't know whether that is going to be the one next step that stops your breathing. So I really want to be clear that it is a potentially fatal decision to have either your parents or your wife's parents around for the foreseeable future. Because you need to find a way to live without triggers for a while. Right Seriously, you know it's Russian roulette, right? Every time you're around triggers, you're spinning that chamber and pulling the trigger, right? You've got to stop playing Russian roulette. You've got to stop being around triggers. Anything that contributed to you being in the military, anything or anyone who contributed to the ninth layer of hell called the childhood that you had? Anything is putting a bullet in the chamber and spinning it, putting it to your head and pulling the trigger. And sooner or later, you know what's going to happen. It's just a matter of statistics, right?
4: Yep. Yeah.
0: Self-protection is the key. Sorry, you were going to say?
4: Oh, I don't even remember what I was going to say now. Um,
0: well, tell me, tell me what you think or feel about what I'm saying.
4: No, you're, I mean, you're hundred percent correct. I um, you know, my, my biggest struggle I've been having recently, um, trying to find a therapist, somebody to talk to, you know, a lot of them around here, um, they're either, you know, through a, a church or, or they're coming at it from a, a spiritual perspective and, um, but certainly nobody with the, the military experience, um, and I've actually, I, I tried to appeal to the VA and, uh, sign up for that. And, uh, they actually wrote me back and said I made too much money. So I'm not actually eligible somehow for the VA. Um, cause I have a job, I guess. So I uh...
0: Well no and I'm, This is why I'm giving you advice That you can act on right? right? You finding a good therapist I don't know Maybe you can find someone online Maybe there's people um, who've had military experience Who've had good therapists that you can talk to If it's Skype, if it's remote I don't think that that's necessarily a barrier to great therapy It's better to have a great therapist Through Skype than a shitty one in the room Right? So, but this is why I don't want to give you advice that you can't act on directly. This is why I'm trying to give you things to do that are actionable right now.
4: No, I mean, I, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. And it's, you know, now that I think about it from the perspective that you talked about it, um, I don't think it'll be as hard of a conversation as I previously thought it would be. I mean,
0: which conversation.
4: The conversation I'm going to have to have with my mom, letting her know what happened and and that it has to stop. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, look, you, you don't have to have a big confrontational conversation. You could just say, "Mom, I I need. To, I'm taking. I'm taking a break from all my historical relationships to try and get my head sorted out, uh, and uh, I'm going to be seeking therapy. And I, you know, I'll certainly be happy to get back in touch when I'm in a more stable place." but history is not serving my future and I need to take a break. I mean, it, and that may all be true. I don't, I mean, who knows, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't have to be a big confrontation because, because you know what you, you confront right now and you're going to be in danger of hitting the bottle again. I'm talking about a the jet scenario, right? I mean, if I'm saying don't get triggered by history, you attempting to express needs and frustrations with your mom Oh your dad or your stepmom or the guy who delivered your fucking papers when you were four years old is gonna trigger you again. You know, I would take just ease out, you know, and, and say, look, I just I find that when I'm in contact with historical people or people from my history, it tends to trigger me and it's a huge problem because your responsibility is not to your mom, not your stepmom, not to your dad. Your responsibility now is to your two precious boys. Anything which endangers your relationship, let alone your damn survival, to those two twin boys, it's off the boat. Right? It's not optional. Anything which is going to threaten your relationship or your survival for and with those two boys and your wife. I mean, I want to mention that as well, right? But she's an adult. They're not. She chose you. They didn't. And they sure as shit didn't choose your mom who signed you up for the military. And they sure as shit didn't choose their grandparents. So you have to make that choice for them. You have to keep them safe. You have to keep yourself safe. It's time for primal, base of the brain, lizard, gorilla, family, offspring, protection instincts, baby. You draw a fucking moat around your family. No one who has harmed me gets in. Motherfuckers, you harmed me in the past, and you ain't spent years apologizing, getting therapy and fixing it up, none shall pass. No historical demons come into this cathedral of peace. You don't earn your way in, you don't get in. You don't work like a son of a bitch to grow peace in your heart and leave the weapons of history behind. You don't break the habits that produced a decade of warmongering in me. You don't renounce the demons of histories and dissociation. You don't get in, motherfuckers. This here, my wife, my children, this here is my fortress of peace in a raging world and none pass without the right words, without the right feelings, without the right thoughts, without a rejection of violence, you protect your family from all who've shown to be harmful to children, and you know who the fuck those people are, right? Absolutely. You don't have the right to expose your children to those who've abused children. Of course you don't. Society will tell you that you do. You have a responsibility, but she's your mother. They're grandparents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's send a couple of more altar boys to that pedophile priest, because, you know, he's in big with God, man. He's a priest, so send him some more fucking victims. No! You protect your children, which means protecting yourself. Which means not being around people who fucked you up in the past. Keep yourself safe from all evildoers. Keep your children away from all evildoers. Because that is the best way for them to remain safe from all evildoers in the future. This is weird belief. Like if you you got exposed your children to dysfunctional people, send them to school. They're going to run into bullies as adults. They need to know how to handle them. Come on. How mad is that? Hey, if if I don't want my daughter to have a relationship with anyone who speaks Mandarin and only speaks Mandarin, what do I do? I don't teach her Mandarin. She ain't going to have a relationship with people who only speak Mandarin if I don't teach her Mandarin. She's going to have nothing to do with them, nothing in common with them. And she'll very, very clearly get that they don't speak her language and that there is no way to speak their language. was at a play center with her the other day. She wanted me to tell you this story. So she was, I was at a play center with her the other day. And there uh, was this girl who was yelling into the slide as she was going down. Bah! You're really loud, startling. Sorry, I didn't mean to start you. And she said to the girl, I don't like that. Stop doing that. The girl did it again. I wasn't there. My mother was there. Mother, my wife sat down, talked to the girl, said, Please don't do that. She doesn't like it. Girl kept doing it. Moved to another area. Girl was interfering. Obviously, obviously, highly dysfunctional family. Uh, my daughter has been talking about it for like two weeks. That girl, and not baffled, she was like, Well, that girl wasn't nice at all. I didn't, well, she didn't listen at all. I would never be her friend. I've got to stay away from her, right? Well, that's what happens when you don't let dysfunctional people around your children, they see them immediately. And they avoid them instinctively. So the moat, the fiery moat of blue-flamed virtue that I'm suggesting you ring your heart and your family with will ensure that your children will grow up having nothing to do with people who put their kids in brain-rotting drug farms, rather than admit that they've got some problems with their parenting. Or kids who say, yeah, sounds great. Signed up for the murder squad. Let me sign for you, because you're too young. What a great plan. That's the best way to turn the crap of your history into the gold of the future. Right? To recoil against all who did harm for children in your history is the best way of ensuring that your beautiful sons will grow up as good people, who will contribute mightily to the virtue of this world. But get these people out of your life, man. It is literally a matter of life and death, and it certainly, it certainly is essential for your children's respect. I mean, you're probably going to tell them, "Don't hang with bullies. Don't hang with mean people." Well, give them that example, right?
4: No, you make perfect sense. <clears throat> you know, it um, it's actually I. I, I weirdly feel more encouraged now that I, I guess I see it more simply, more uh, objectively for what it actually is instead of feeling guilt or feeling, uh, you know, the pressures of maintaining that relationship. Because you're right. I mean, my family's more important than any of that.
0: Yes. And, you know, what you said about your relationship with the military You know, they said you were not suited for whatever-whatever-go-write-a-desk, and you told them, basically, go fuck yourself, right?
4: Exactly what I told them.
0: Well, I mean, was that worse than what your parents did to you? No. No, so you say to the army, go fuck yourself, right? What else can you say to your parents? Did a hell of a lot more harm to you than that guy, right? Yeah. You all had your chance. You were born with a beautiful son. You fucked him up. You threw him into mental health prisons. You allowed him to be drugged. You signed up for him to go in the army. And you want to be around my fucking kids? Are you kidding me? You might as well come in here with a big vial of cholera and break it in my living room. You people are poison and I have a responsibility for the health of my children.
4: Well, I really appreciate it, Stefan. That is uh, As usual, you're, you're more than helpful. And uh, Michael, I hope you get this produced quickly because I want to share it with my wife at length.
1: As soon as I can. I'll get it out to you.
0: Well, and I hope that you'll drop us a line and let us know how it's going. And look, if you are... A good therapist and you think you can help this guy you know operations at freedomainradio.com, uh, you know we'll introduce you and we'll try and get this guy the resources that he needs and you know look I mean if you have any financial issues uh, I would be f- certainly happy to pay for the therapy I mean it's that important obviously to me and I know you said, oh the VA says you're making I know it's expensive with two kids I mean I know it's expensive with one with two I can't imagine right but if you have any financial issues. If there's anything, I don't care. If the therapist is 250 bucks an hour, let us know. If it's too much for you, I will pay for it. I will be happy to pay for it with joy and pleasure and uh, uh, satisfaction. So um, get the help that you need, and whatever happens, we're going to get you that help. All right?
4: I appreciate that. Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. Keep us posted, Ben. Yep. Now that's heroic, right? That's what you need medals for. So uh, thanks, everyone, so much, of course, for participating in this, the greatest conversation in the world. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that is the case. And you should support the show. I'm not going to even end this with a donation pitch because that was such serious stuff. But um, the show is helping a huge number of people. Thanks to all the callers. Thanks to Mike. I'm sorry to the callers we didn't get to. And I will speak to you Wednesday night for the next installment of Let's Bring the Truth to the Brain and Heart. Take care.